0: The Audio Vault on one San Antonio Sports Star is brought to you by A.A. Best Bail Bonds. 225-2121 or online at mybestbailbonds.com It's 0, 0600. What's the O stand for? Oh my God, it's early. Wait, Thompson. Thompson. You don't know, believe the other way
1: in
0: transition to the Cowboys.
1: Oh, oh. oh. I want some nasty. Rudy J. Cowboys win. How else would you settle this game? How about
0: this yeah. Begin each day as if it were on purpose. I wake up in the morning I piss excellent. r in the morning on 94 1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good, hey, hey, hey,
1: hey. Good morning.
0: Good morning to
2: you.
3: Good morning.
2: Yeah, it's R and R in the morning. A Thursday edition. That voice you heard on Sports that's James Pledger. You know him well. He set an alarm. He'll be sitting in for Rudy today. I'm Rob Thompson. Easy E on the other side of the double pane. Edwin Hefner taking us all the way to ten o'clock. I am vibrating. I am excited. Sadly, Rudy is in the hole for the next couple of days as he celebrates a birthday and an anniversary and all kinds of things rolled into one.
3: Basically everything you just did.
2: And, uh, yeah. (laughs) I'm taking four days. Well-deserved. And James will be here today. Uh, Tomorrow, Joe Reinagle will set an alarm and come in and sit tomorrow. And it is uh, football season. You know, we were at the last game. Last game played back in February. We were there. Yeah. Uh, And here we sit. We finally did it. We made it. The Same long, teams playing as the team that played in February just too. About yeah, we were at the that, that, Pat's uh, Pat. If you know, if you, if you were at the last game, you can call him Pat. Uh, we were at the uh, the Super Bowl, and here we sit. We made it all the way to the NFL regular season, and we'll do all we can to make sure you're adequately prepared, not only to beat your friends, uh, to beat your book, to uh, own your fantasy league, and all things in between over the next couple of days. Because when you think football, we got it all like the game tonight. Right here. You can catch it right here, live, getting going at 6.30. Uh, we'll talk Cowboys today.
3: So, are we your home for Thursday night, Sunday night, Monday night, prime time, or are we your home for the NFL, or are we your home for the Dallas Cowboys, or yes to all?
2: Yes to all, and it's so big, we have to use two stations to do all this stuff. Uh, we didn't even throw the Rangers in there. I uh, Hope you caught uh, Coach Jimbo's show last night. I did. He was talking fast. Well, he's getting ready to take on... a. A Miami team that's looking for some revenge. Is
3: that a big bite of apple? No,
2: no. I think this is going to be a good football game. I think Miami is a good good football team, and if you uh, if you beat them on the road, that's the, the kind of accomplishment that can springboard you into a good season. And that's my attitude, and I'm sticking with it. <laughs>
3: uh. Well, I mean, it looks like you are going by the same philosophy today that you went by last week and getting your Aggies prepared for their game yeah, I against my, New Mexico. We're
2: wearing Cowboys gear all week until tomorrow when we will don the Aggie maroon, but until then. Uh, Nick Bosa's wearing green. What do you get, 36 annualized? 34. 34 annualized, 122.5 guaranteed. Uh, yeah, there's a lots of people celebrating today, the 49ers, because they got him back on what appears to be a a last-ditch Super Bowl run for a team of old and young and uh, interesting matches for San Francisco. But they had to get this done. They did. How does that affect Chris Jones, Micah Parsons? We will discuss at in depth. We'll actually hear from Micah Parsons today.
3: He is the highest-paid non-quarterback in the NFL.
2: For now. For now. But yeah, man.
3: I I know what's coming down the pipe. (laughs) Are the Boses the highest paid brothers? (laughs) Yes.
2: They got what about a quarter of a bill going on a year. The 102
3: guaranteed that uh, Joey got was the highest guaranteed until Nick's 122.5. So we're 240,
2: 245 between the bros guaranteed. (sighs) It's a
3: lot. That's more than JJ and TJ.
2: Oh, I had forgotten the Watt brothers, but yes, it's close. That's the math right there. <laughs> yeah, the uh, injury bug, we're going to follow the Travis Kelsey story closely as they get ready for tonight. I, as, If you're not watching on the StreamYard feed, you need to be. Morning, Eric. Uh, just to make sure that, uh, you know, keeping up with the Joneses. Uh,
3: what, Jerry and Steve? No, the
2: fact that you're wearing a, a, a Mahomes it's not so much the Mahomes, I get it, but Kansas City. I know your best friend's a yeah. Chiefs fan.
3: He is. And I don't am you find it perhaps. difficult
2: putting on the jersey of uh, an opponent?
3: No, I like the Chiefs. Okay. It's a good team. I like Andy Reid. I like Patrick Mahomes. I like Mahomes coming out. I wish the Texans would have drafted him, but, you know. Well, I agree with everything Kansas you State just jumping. said, but I'm
2: not wearing the jersey.
3: I'm supporting brother. <laughs> Solidarity. I, that's just hard for me to even fathom. I don't I, even. Own, I own. I can do it if I'm not playing them. The that's week it. I play them, I can't. Mm-hmm. Different. Mm-hmm.
2: I I don't own anything other than that. In my than my teams, I, I owned a. Uh, it doesn't matter. I owned a, a baseball cap for a school that my one of my kids went to, and mm-hmm. even that felt weird putting on. Now I have friends who. You know, we're Aggie through and through. Anybody knows me. I have uh, friends, brothers, companions, blood, who've had kids go to that other school. Mm-hmm. And I'll I know see you them, have
3: family at that other and
2: I'll, school. And my, now my
3: brother, he lost one. Mm-hmm. You know. You got to represent, though. Your kid's going there.
2: Uh, uh, not once have I seen him anything and anything with uh, burn orange oil.
3: I guarantee you.
2: But I have very near and dear friends that do, in fact, bleed maroon. That I have seen walking around,
4: mm-hmm. with a
3: hat or a, a shirt on, yep. with a with a dead cow on it. My dad my daddo told me, we are Longhorns. But if you get a scholarship to A and M, am I'm gonna throw on some
1: maroon.
2: Well, I like I told my kid, uh, I'll pay for any school you want to go to, as long as it's A and M. We're going to talk some NBA today. There's a Ramona Shelburne article out there about James Harden that is hilarious. Uh, we're going to hear from that. Look at Team USA as they head into the uh, knockout round, hopefully winning a title coming up this Sunday. Uh, a couple players have new addresses. Christian Wood continues his climb to the bottom. I don't know. He landed with the Lakers with a two year deal after a pit stop there in Dallas. We'll discuss ramifications there. Are the Lakers now a low key kind of favorite there in the NBA West? Morning, Saul. I've known that kid forever, Yeah, Great guy. Uh,
3: the last name sounds familiar.
2: The Acevedo clan? Mm-hmm. Don't want to mess with them.
3: There's a lot of people you don't want to mess those, with.
2: Those are some, some tough hombres, as you would say in the movies. The... The the contact the contract is going to be the discussion of the day in the NFL. We're going to spend a lot of time on it because the ramifications of this go far and wide. You mean the brinks truck? The brinks truck that is backing up to the defensive line because we've been waiting for that domino to fall. And we get back on the other side of the break. 1225 and twenty-two five guaranteed thirty-two million. It's the biggest non-quarterback contract and the highest-paid defensive player in the NFL history. And there are two guys still to come, one of which is Micah. How does that affect Micah? How does that affect Chris Jones? Will that get him a raise? We're going to hear from all the parties involved as we look forward to a completely full NFL college football weekend that begins tonight. We made it. (laughs) Exhale and do things correctly.
3: So do you even know who's on your fantasy teams? I, I don't know. <laughs> have you even looked at the rosters yet? There, there's a couple of things that are going on behind the scenes.
2: <laughs> uh, we had a, an impromptu fantasy football draft inside the building last night that I missed.
3: What about the one before that?
2: No, oh, I know that team. I'm actually pretty proud of that team. I knew that one was going... Man, we you have a draft at 1045 on the night of my birthday. <laughs> The chances on of me, the day you return to on work. The, yeah, after four <laughs> days off and an alarm set for three fifteen in the morning, you think I'm going to be up? <laughs> so, I, in fact, I was up because you couldn't set up auto draft until an hour before. So I was up, but i made sure I'd set up the auto draft. I was afraid that, like last year, I was the only one who auto drafted because I'm dealing with a bunch of night owl, night owl TV face guys.
3: Apparently, you weren't. Somebody else did.
2: Yeah, somebody else did as well. I but wonder. they
3: didn't set it up like you did. So they had to wait. <laughs> well, I just turned
2: mine on. I don't know what else uh what other somebody else did.
3: I appreciate you taking the time to do that because there's nothing worse than waiting the full live. Well, I didn't see James, I didn't have control over that. All I did was turn on auto draft. Last
2: time I did this, two years ago when I won the league, the uh auto draft did make everybody wait the full whatever length of time it was but that's what i
3: appreciate though you turned on auto draft so that they didn't have to well i did somebody
2: else in your league apparently did not dude i had auto draft but even with auto draft on it made us made everybody wait
3: i petition that next year you make all of them draft at like three fifteen in the the morning yeah
2: that's the most appropriate way to get back and if i win again (laughs) they're probably not going to allow me to auto draft so they'll adjust Or the whole legal auto-draft. You know, again, I'll reinforce this. You can always tell a guy that auto-drafted by the level and quality of their defense and their kicker. If you see a guy like my team with the 49ers and Justin Tucker.
3: And two kickers and two defenses. Yeah, uh, that's
2: auto-draft. <laughs> that is a, and, and evidently, it works. Two years ago, it took me home. Hey, coming back, auto-draft or not, BOSAs are going to be on a lot of teams <laughs> and defenses. Mm-hmm. San Francisco got him a good one And they paid a lot for it Ramifications around the league And a big football game tonight The NFL is hot And we were throwing some bacon into grease. That's coming up next You're on R&R And you're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star I talk about doing things right The right way to do it this morning Is uh, Let's go to break <laughs> <laughs> I'm
5: born. I
3: just
2: It's R and R. Is that the Bosa family dancing last night?
3: Sounds like it.
2: That's James Pleasure. I'm Rob. Uh, if you're looking for the other R, that We've is. We have a giveaway Rudy.
3: coming up soon, too. Yeah, I
2: know. Just a couple of For the minutes. early birds? I'm. Uh, Got some Six. missions tickets to go see the Redbirds.
3: Yep, them them the dull Springfield Cardinals.
2: Oh, the Cardinals. will be here on the 12th, and we got a family four-pack we're giving to our early bird crew. We're running out of games, folks. Go see the missions. Uh, tonight, if you're looking for a place to comfortably watch your football, uh, I would recommend the Roo Pub. The Blitz will be there early <laughs> and stay late. Uh, the Roo Pub, you know, always has great food, great traditional beginning to the football world as, uh, the Blitz is out there yet again. Chiefs Lions tonight, Roo Pub brought to you by Yingling, the traditional lager that I enjoy so much. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's tonight, man. I can't believe it. We made it. I, I, I woke up this morning and as my alarm went off, I sat right up and was like, football oh, season is mm. here.
3: I, you know, I didn't even have a tough time waking up this morning, despite being up as late as I was, despite the draft, despite finishing work and then having to set such an early alarm and having very little sleep this week in general <laughs> because of my schedule I woke up excited football's here and
2: you're adorned it in uh, garments and jerseys that I know you're aren't really your upset team. by this I just find it interesting I can I support that you're my a, friends I know that you're a dyed in the wool Texan person. I am and just find it interesting that you're wearing Kansas City
3: stuff. That's just... mm -hmm. The new generation. So, so,
2: uh, what time did that contract get signed last night?
3: Uh, Yesterday afternoon. It It was was. actually in the middle of our interview with Michael Lombardi on the Blitz. So what time was that? About 2.45. About
5: 2.45
3: news breaks. That's probably
2: noon.
5: San Francisco time? time.
3: Um,
2: I I think it represents a couple things. First of all, Lynch is is a Is a GM that understands where he is in the world, and they had to get him in the building. Mm -hmm. I mean, it was just a matter of how far are we willing to push the envelope for defenses.
3: So the details on Seg contract are quite startling. Well, that's where I want to go with this. Are they? What are they? Five years, one hundred and seventy million dollars, one hundred twenty-two point five million of that's guaranteed. He's making 34 million dollars average annual value of the contract. He is the highest paid defensive player in NFL history and the highest non-quarterback. And the 34 million is about 3 million more average annual value than the next closest non-quarterback, which is Aaron Donald.
2: So in the grand hierarchy of things, it is quarterback Edge or pressure defender. You need the
3: quarterback and you need to get to the quarterback, then you need to protect the left tackle, then wide receiver. There's where it is right now. That's where it stands. So while we And then it's everything else and then kicker and then running (laughs) back. And running back right (laughs) there. And then punter. So you know, I was
2: looking at this like, oh boy, Chris Jones. Oh boy, Micah Parsons. Mm -hmm. Because those are the obvious beneficiaries because they fall in the same category. But the true fact of the matter is every Body in the top five percent of the NFL is mm-hmm. celebrating today because the envelope expanded.
3: A rising tide lifts all ships,
2: and here we sit with all these new revenue streams. There's going to be in the next two years a sixty million dollar quarterback mm-hmm. and a fifty million dollar defensive player. You can Dak Prescott Chris Jones. and Micah Parsons. Yeah, or it probably will be one of those two in one of those two categories. And I think we're gonna get we're getting to a point now where don't look at dollars. Look at salary cap percentage, because that's what really matters. You wanna look at salary cap percentage? The salary cap percentage. That's where it doesn't matter the position. It's like where do you where are the teams investing their money? And the salary cap is growing. Mm -hmm. The revenue streams are growing. There's more gambling money than ever before. There's new TV deals in play. Uh, but the, is one growing faster than the other no
3: are you sure yes what are you talking about what what would be growing faster in 2024 this is the problem that the 49ers have and it's the cow the problem the cowboys are about to have and with the, cd
2: and micah Well oh, watching what happened to the rams
3: the 49ers are paying trent williams in 2024 28 mm-hmm. million debo samuel 29 million eric armstead 26 million Fred Warner 25 million, George Kittle 20 million, Chevarius Ward 18 million, Javon Hargrave 15.5 million, Brandon Ayuk 14 million, and Christian McCaffrey 14 million. They're now about to pay Micah Parsons or excuse me, Nick Bosa thirty-four million. The cap is two hundred and forty million dollars. Mm-hmm. All those players minus Nick Bosa. Might I add, account for 190 of that 240 million. Now tack the 34 that Nick Bosa is going to make onto that number. Yes, Lynch had to. You're you're talking about one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, oh. eight, nine, ten players. None of them a quarterback, by the way, accounting for over 80 percent of your salary cap.
2: That is a tremendous. They're in a good position.
3: They're in a horrible. No,
2: position. man, you just pointed out the most important part of that. Yeah, there's a lot of money going out the door, but not a lot of it to a quarterback. Not a lot of it to one guy a fair amount to a lot of guys. Lynch, I'm giving him every bit of credit, but to win a Super Bowl, to have the kind of talent it takes to get through 17, get through a couple of at least one big time unless you got home home field all the way through one time road game with backups, you got to spend some money. Your windows are not big. You get 2 years, 3 years. Mm-hmm. And Lynch realizes I'm a year, maybe 2 years into this window. And it began, it began to close the moment they gave Nick Bosa that deal. The window got smaller the moment they gave him the cash. So I I don't blame him. It's something you got to do, and the Cowboys are going to do the same damn thing. They're about They're to. They're about to invest everything they've got over the next year in two dudes that are going to take up 60 40%, 45% of the salary cap. Oh, more than that. So – it is the natural progression in the n f l you you draft the talent you weed out the talent you acquire free agents, you give up compensatory picks, you overpay everybody and you hope you're playing in February because you only got a couple of years to do it what what have you have you watched the the wreckage the burned out refuse that is the rams have you seen the
3: price that they have paid hmm that's the price you pay. That's what it costs. So, to spin this forward to both tonight and the Dallas Cowboys, Chris Jones is looking to get paid. So,
2: yeah, listen to this guy. And if you put it in his point of view, it makes a little sense.
4: What can I say? Um, opinions are like, everybody got them and they all stink, right? <laughs> so, you know, um, some going to like it, some going to respect it, and some is going to dislike it. That's just the way it is. You can't make everybody happy, unfortunately. Uh, as much as you try to do and as much as you, sh- you try to appease people, you're not going to make everyone happy, unfortunately. I'm sorry. And I'm just asking for a raise.
2: He's asking for a raise. Now we have a dollar value to surround it. Well, the ask. He ain't going to get Bosa money. He ain't going to be there. He ain't going to get Watt money. He's looking for 30 I know that's what he's looking for. But th- I don't think... You know, it's funny. He's how looking for
3: Donald money.
2: He he's looking for Donald money is what he's looking for. And he's not gonna get Donald money either. Because Kansas City can still rely on it don't matter, we got Pat Mahomes. And he has already said to the media, Look, I might not be there, but I have to play this year. We all know he has to play eight games. Or at least be on the active roster. Now they could treat him like Jonathan Taylor, I doubt it, but He has to play, so the Chiefs can go, well, we'll just schedule for week nine. And until then, until proven otherwise, we've got Superman. It doesn't matter. So I don't know how much Bosa increased what Chris Jones will make. It increased what Micah's going to make, because the Cowboys don't got Superman. And you want to talk about happy, (laughs) Micah's happy.
5: He's very happy. Listen to this. Uh super happy for Nick Bosa, man. He just he really showed why he was the best player in the league last year. Um and it gives you something to chase, man, and not in terms of his contract, but in terms of how great he was. If you study his mindset, how patient he was and just let the game come to him. It's really something to look for and uh, you know, I'm you know, he knows that I'm coming for him. He even said to my ears like, I won this year. And he's like, "I know you'll be coming for extra. I said, "You damn right." So you know, uh, it, it's going to be a good chase, and not only just him, Max Crosby too, and those guys are all really good.
2: Micah Parsons yesterday on the uh, Nick Bosa contract, of course, talking about Bosa and the quality of play, and Max Crosby. He along with those two grouped as two of th- or three of the top four or five NFL defensive players, and uh, now they're all chasing Bosa's contract, and it's coming.
3: <laughs> it's coming and what what just happened there's some reason Mike is happy and he could say it's not because of the money he's happy for Bosa because he knows his number just went up
2: how important is getting defensive player of the year
3: very to him N- defensive player I mean, of the year no, is one say. of the reasons why Nick Bosa got what he got it's kind of hard to ask for that kind of money if you aren't considered at some point the best in the game during a particular season.
2: I agree. I think he sees now.
3: I mean, Nick Bosa's Defensive Player of the Year, This he is the reigning Defensive Player of the Year, and it netted him this contract. So
2: Depoy means 123. Depoy means 130. So if I put on a shirt, Depoy equal 130M.
3: Yeah. What, like, is, what does MVP equal?
2: Like defensive player? No, no. Uh, uh, like NFL MVP? Like something that Nothing seems more.
3: impossible. It's the, the same. Because it's a quarterback. No, it's, it award. means the same.
2: 130. Oh. Uh, and for Micah Parsons, Dep- defensive player of the year equals MVP. So we could add that in there. It's com- kind of like Carpe
3: Omnius. Carpe Omnia?
2: Omnia. Like, we could have a saying on a shirt, like Micah could wear. Well, the Cowboys have all new hoodies. Depoy equal 130M. The rest of the Cowboys have new hoodies that say Carpe Omnia. Everybody's Googling it right now.
3: We'll let you know what that means.
2: Hey, on the other side of the break, you don't want to go nowhere. I got mission tickets to give away. And uh, the CBS Sports has quarterback rankings. This does apply directly to the dollar values we were just talking about. And if you were listening to the Blitz yesterday, Mike Lombardi, he's a former NBA, NFL general manager and uh, talent acquiring type, talked about Dak Prescott, rankings and money. You want to hear it because there's a lot of money about to leave Jerry Jones' bank account. That's all coming up next, so stay here. This is R&R, and you're on 94.1 San Antonio. Sports Star.
0: It's the Awesome Tickets Pro Football Pick'em Challenge on one San Antonio Sports Star. You're shot at $50,000 nationally, while weekly winners locally get a $50 gift card to Five Oaks Ace Hardware on Thousand Oaks. At the end of the season, locally, the best overall record wins the San Antonio Grand Prize of $1,000 worth of tickets to any event from Awesome Tickets. Sign up today at sasportstar.com. R and R in the morning on 94-1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning to you.
2: It's R R in the morning, a Thursday edition, an NFL edition as the league gets going tonight. We got your game, gets going at 6 30. Uh, The Roo Pub is going to be live out at the Roo Pub getting everybody ready at Thu's. I'm sure they're bringing swag and stuff. Go join them. Have a nice meal while you're there.
3: Uh, (laughs) Okay, okay. Hold on. I want you to read that box and all the shirts they're wearing. I just figured out what it said. The
2: NFL Network.
3: But I thought it said something else at first.
2: It's an homage presents uh, Angry Runs.
3: I thought the runs... I thought the R was a different letter, the way it's fontized there.
2: I'm still trying to figure out what you thought it was if you're watching the NFL Network and in Good Morning Football.
3: Well, it would be the first letter in the alphabet.
2: I'm I'm
3: lost. Take the the R and runs and replace it with the first letter in the alphabet.
2: I still don't know what that word is. Ons?
3: Oh, uh, yeah, I guess it's missing an N. My, my mind's apparently in the gutter.
2: Oh, you thought it said angry anus? Yeah. Oh, wow. <laughs> I
3: was like, why are I they wearing excuse, those I shirts? I will excuse that
2: because um, <laughs> you're not normally awake, or at least not coherent at this time of day, so we will excuse that the to-
3: I was like, why are they wearing those shirts?
2: Hey, while we try to figure out if if Pledge needs glasses, all you early birds get on the phone six five six three seven seven six. That's the numbers Y'all you need. Wanted
0: just about six inches. Six that's inches. all you need. Uh,
2: Be caller number five because that's all the inches we got. And if you are, you get a family four back to two dollar Tuesday on the twelfth. That's next Tuesday. Go check out the missions take on the Cardinals. It's two dollar Tuesday. It is uh, fall. It's going to be, I don't know, nice and cool probably in the mid-90s. You're going to love it. Go out and check out the missions. We're running out of time to go enjoy one of San Antonio's little gyms, uh, missions baseball games. So call number five, uh, 656-3776, 656-ESPN. Uh, Nick Bosa's getting quarterback money. So what is quarterback money going to look like <laughs> in the very near future? The, uh, the change is imminent, and Dak Prescott's going to be at least in the next two or three in line. Dak seems to be probably next in line. To get paid. Him or Joe Burrow. And Burrow probably will get the money first. But if because Jerry doesn't isn't smart like that.
3: <laughs> is he or well, now, I will defend Jerry on this point. Is he not smart like that, or is Dak smart like that and waiting for everybody well, else? I I agree
2: with both. But I do I do think if Jerry decided today that he wanted to get Dak signed, he could get him in for less than what Burrow's about to sign. Yes. I think if he decided today, whatever, I don't know what that number is, but I think I could get pretty close if you gave me some of the other guys' money and how they're paid and things like that. Because right now, for for Jerry, in my mind, as we look at the NFL's listing, and this is according to CBS, they have a, what's called the power rankings in mm-hmm. quarterbacks, and they're going to be doing it all week, all season long. And, you know, the power ranking, you can define it however you like. Yep. But it does matter as far as – your pay and the and the the power that you have within the franchise that means wins and losses but that also means some other stuff offensive theme you know your game the way the offense is predicated all the stuff that really matters when you're talking about getting paid and it's the usual suspects as far as the power rankings. The guys you understand, the guys we're used to. And there's three tiers of – well, there, there's four tiers of NFL quarterbacks. There's the true difference makers, the guys that can go out and consistently make a difference and can win a game on their own. And then there's those – Well, there's that,
3: one tier by himself, and well, that's, that's yeah, Patrick Mahomes. Yeah, but I'll,
2: you know, there is. And, <laughs> and 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 with that in mind, everything else, it, it's, it's oranges. Now, some of them are seedless, and some of them are bigger. Some of them have a thinner skin and some, some of them are, them are sweeter. Oranges. Some of them are sour. Some of them, you know, they're all oranges though. Every one of them, oranges to oranges. It's just the flavor and the, the type of orange you want. And even those guys get paid bank C- cousins. Even those guys. So I want us to stop looking when we're talking quarterback. We should stop talking dollar value and start looking at percentage of salary cap.
3: Well, that is dollar value, though. Well, It is. But, you know,
2: what? because I think if we do that, then you can start understand, to understand the value of a player, whether he is ranked 5th or 10th or whatever. It's not the player itself. It's the position.
4: Mm-hmm.
2: And the position in the salary cap ratios is what we should be paying attention to. Because whether Jerry decides to pay him, and he will, and whether the, the the Bengals decide to pay Joe Burrow, and they will, it's going to escalate at a rather consistent percentage, like a like a good bank account, like a good IRA. It's just going to continue to bounce up at five, six, seven percent. It's actually a better return on, on investment than that. Somebody gonna pay Dak. Somebody mm-hmm. is gonna pay him, whether it's gonna be Jerry or not. And we can look at these power rankings. And when you go through the list, of course, Pat Mahomes is one and Joe Burrow's two. Josh Allen, four. Justin Herbert, five, which we will see. Trevor Lawrence, six. Aaron Rodgers, seven. Lamar Jackson, eight. Dak Prescott, nine. Just
3: ahead of Kirk Cousins. Well, that's the list I've seen a hundred different ways. As a matter of fact, the ringer has one that looks very similar. It's got, like you said, Patrick Mahomes, one, obviously, far and away. Followed by Josh Allen, followed by Justin Herbert, Joe Burrow, Lamar Jackson, Trevor Lawrence, Aaron Rodgers, Dak Prescott's eighth on their list. Who's who's at ninth and who's at seventh? Uh, Matthew Stafford is at nine. Aaron Rodgers at seven. Jalen Hurts at ten. Ironically,
2: the usual suspects, the usual amounts. There's no Dak is no different than the eight other dudes. And to expect him to get paid anything less or anything different is crazy. It's just a matter of when and if Jerry decides to do it during this regular season. Now, Mike Lombardi was on the Blitz yesterday. Mm-hmm. Now, if you don't know who Mike Lombardi is, he's a—he's bounced around every TV network. He's a former NFL GM. He's the Mike Tannenbaum of the NFL. Good decisions, bad decisions, but he certainly knows what he's talking about. Listen to what he has to say about paying good players great money and great players good money makes some sense no,
1: i mean we've seen this quarterback market go through the roof i mean russell wilson he's not certainly worth it he you know he didn't live up to his contract sean watson hasn't lived up to his contract you know I, unless jerry's willing to take a stance and say Dak, either you take this or i'm getting a new quarterback then dak has got all the options Dak's holds all the cards i don't know if jerry's going to be willing to do that because if he was willing to do that he wouldn't have to give Jerry. he wouldn't have to give him this deal but remember Here's where fear does the work of reason for the players. The, the teams are fearful if they don't sign Dak, they lose him. The quarterback position is a lot like the NBA. You know you know, in the NBA when we watch these teams give ridiculous contracts to good players and we say, why would they pay that guy that? It's not going to make them any better, right? Well, that's the same thing in the NFL because you're scared if you lose this player, you're not going to be any good. You're going to be worse than you are, See, so overpay them. That's what happened with Jerry and Dak. Dak's a good player. That's a really good player, but that's not worth the number that he got compared to relative terms. And unless you're prepared to take that on, unless you're prepared to challenge that in terms of your willingness to go out and draft a guy, you're going to get stuck with him. You can't leave your team like that.
2: Michael Barty, yesterday on The Blitz, if you missed any of that interview, which was quite good, uh, you can go to sasportstar.com, the audio vault brought to you by AA Best Bail Bonds.
3: No. The problem is, Wait. you're damned if you do, and you're damned if you don't. Because, think about it. The drop-off, 8, 9, wherever you have Dak Prescott. After him, it starts getting real skinny when you're talking about Cousins and Goff and Geno and Daniel, Deshaun Watson, Matthew Sapp. Guys, people are always trying to replace. Dak is one of the few... Really, really, really good quarterbacks in this league. Now, is he Patrick Mahomes? Can he do it by himself for your team? No. But it is a lot harder to find his replacement than it is to have a life without him.
2: Well, I would, uh, I agree to an extent. But of that list, of the top eight that we just went through, hmm the two teams that played in the NFC championship game, those quarterbacks aren't on the list.
3: That play in the NFC championship game?
2: Yeah. Did I hear Jalen Hurts anywhere? Yeah, he's three. He's three. Where's the Purdy?
3: Uh, Purdy is probably down the list. Down the list. Further. Dak
2: Prescott is at eight. Uh. You don't have to have those guys if you spend your money right. That's mm-hmm. one thing. And when I hear Lombardi... See, here's the thing that bothered me about Who are the what, quarterbacks in the AFC Championship game? Well, yeah, I'm not. Yes, <laughs> it, it, you gotta have them. But what concerned me when you hear Lombardi, that was, that was a sheep talking. Is it? You know, when I, when you hear him go, well, you know, if you don't pay him, you're gonna lose him. Well, yeah, yeah. And sometimes it's okay to lose them. Sometimes it's better to wave goodbye in some instances. Other instances, like quarterbacks, you just got to know this is what it costs. Mm -hmm. It's not a matter of, well, either
3: I'm San Francisco, who have now stumbled ass backwards into a perfect situation.
2: The fact that they just traded their number one draft pick that they spent three draft picks to go up and get and came away with a bag of beans um, is a disgrace to just about every GM out there. Would get most of those guys fired. And I think Lynch is right there on the edge. So he was kind of in a situation where he had to pay Bosa. But for the most part, when I hear guys like Lombardi, where we, you know, if I don't pay him, I'm going to lose him. Well, it's like the NBA it's not like the nba i mean it is I mean, not really because on one side you've got lombardi going well somebody else will pay him and then the other side you've got a bunch of running backs standing over on the side screaming what about us they the gms have a little bit of control here and i hate when i hear a gm go yeah well if i don't pay him somebody else will pay him and leave. Well, isn't that just the basic of the business isn't that why you're hired to figure out which ones to let go and which ones to pay mm-hmm. instead of, well, you know, I got to pay them, and if I don't, I'm afraid I'm going to lose them. It's like the NBA. No, it's not. The NFL is structured in such a way where GMs in the NFL have a far better situation than they do in the NBA. The NFL is far more difficult to deal with as mm-hmm. players and their union. They don't get nearly as much as the NBA gets.
3: The hard cap makes it incredibly difficult. So the, I, and when
2: Lombardi says that, I'm like, dude, uh, you can say that, but you're a sheep. You're part of the problem.
3: But the problem is trying to win without that guy. You,
2: but you, you kind of can. You kind of can. <laughs> can you? Well, Philadelphia did it early. They found a dude and before they paid him. They were winning. Mm-hmm. And, put, they're gonna, and San Francisco's going to have to pay Purdy. They're going to. Remember, they stumbled with Carson Wentz, too. And the Cowboys did it early on with Dak. Pay quarterback just a little bit and pay everybody else around him a whole lot and suddenly that little bit looks good until you got to pay him and then for the rest of the guy's career you feel like he's overpaid when the fact of the matter is he probably should have been paid earlier. We got some NBA news. Christian Woods got a brand new address. Does that affect the West? We're talking the league. <laughs> and uh well I'm kind of buried the lead. We do have a guest coming at 8:30. Oh yeah. He's a former Heisman trophy winner and a uh, Florida State uh, Seminole.
3: Played in a Super Bowl, too. Yeah, played.
2: Danny Cannell, he of radio fame, is going to join us at 8.30. We're talking college football with him. And uh, we'll continue the uh, discussion at 7 o'clock, just around the bend. We're coming, looking tonight, the game that you can catch live right here on San Antonio Sports Star. Will the Chiefs be ready? They'll be minus a Kelsey. Will they have a Jones? And are the Lions ready to bite the knees of the Kansas City Chiefs? We'll be right back. This is R&R, and you're on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star
1: morning everybody jason Minnick's here from the blitz starting at two o'clock today we are getting you ready for the season opener the nfl season is here chiefs lions tonight we're doing our show the blitz live at the rupa because there's no better place to watch that first game and we'll talk about it with sean merriman at two thirty. john mcclain at five thirty. so rob seriously somebody ate the donuts that we left for you
2: Uh, thanks jason uh yeah there is a mystery floating around here at the radio ranch um for those unaware, I had a birthday over the weekend, and again, thanks to everybody who reached out. Uh, wonderful. Makes me feel good. Uh, but I arrived yesterday after taking my birthday day off, and uh, sitting in the studio was a pretty box of what mm-hmm. appeared to be full of donuts and a nice handwritten thank you and oh, happy birthday signed.
3: To be fair, there was one donut. Left so
2: I heard plural there, Jason, so uh, I heard it was just one donut. Well, that donut was gone, and I was the first one to arrive uh, yesterday, I got here before Edwin. And, I was the
3: last one to leave. You were the
2: last one at, to leave at ten, so you left at ten. There was a donut in the box. I arrived, I'd say four thirty-five, four right about that. That thing had no donut and just a, a list. So th- you got to think about who are the possible So you were the last one to leave at ten. So the in between then and when I arrived would only be KTSa. That's contrary
3: it. to per- popular belief. I did not eat the donut before I left.
2: Well, I'd, you could have. I get I blamed to
3: a bu- uh, for a bunch of things when it involves food. So KTSA up
2: types. So there's only three, maybe four, four possible suspects.
3: You've got Elaine.
2: Who is a uh, production uh, with KTSA. Trey where? Trey, you know, talking. He head. gets here at like midnight. Yeah, he's so. But he's a. Uh, Jimmy. Jimmy, the producer. And Don. And Don. Who gets uh, here at about two as well. So, we have four of the righteous types over there, one of which could have probably ate my donut
3: birthday donut, and it was a chocolate cake donut, and
2: so so we will uh follow up news to follow.
3: We saved the appropriate one for your birthday
2: biggest story tonight no no Kelsey or no Chris Jones who no
3: Kelsey, I think so too, no Kelsey that's got to be the biggest story you
2: know. And I I ask you this in the break. At what point are they going to just expect too much from Mahomes? Like, you know, right now he is the human eraser. Any problems doesn't matter. You can let your fastest guy in the league go. Cheetah can run south to Miami. Doesn't matter. Running back doesn't matter. Nope. Travis Kelsey might matter. Chris Jones might matter. Together in their absence? It has to matter a little.
3: To me, the the thing that matters more than anything is like when he went to the Super Bowl and he was playing with five backup offensive linemen. That was the only time you saw Patrick Mahomes get flustered in any way, shape, or form.
2: But you brought up as we were talking about it that in every instance, uh, Super Bowl, whenever the... He can still Superman his way out of it. He has yet to fail them. Well, he didn't win that Super Bowl. Yeah, but I don't feel like we look at him and say, you're the one, you were the reason. He has
3: yet to fail them. There's a, there, there are only a handful of people that erase literally every ill. Tom Brady erased every ill.
2: Now, and he consistently, it did not matter. It didn't matter,
3: but... Peyton Manning erased every ill.
2: It didn't matter, but I would say on the level of what I'm talking about, Peyton Manning didn't have to deal with near what Tom Brady dealt with No, but over time, but the one consistency with Brady, and the reason I want to stick with this because the analogy remains true, mm-hmm. is when Brady was at his best, he always had his security blanket with, in Gronk. It didn't matter, and I think with, with Mahomes, I think he's had one game without Kelsey, mm-hmm. uh, and they won, by the way. Mm-hmm. It was a COVID game, I believe. A couple of years back, Kelsey couldn't make it back. Yep. But no matter the situation, Kelsey has always been there.
3: I will, I will say this because I think it rings true for both Brady and Patrick Mahomes. The only time you saw Brady struggle, one when he was without a security blanket. It's when he faced pressure. Pressure up the middle. Um, I think the offensive line is the most important thing when you're talking about a quarterback of that ilk that literally just makes everyone better.
2: We're going to hear from more about Mahomes. Home, We're going to talk about the league itself coming up next. This is R&R. You're on 94.1. San
0: Antonio Sports Star. It's 0, 0600. What's the O stand for? Oh, my God. It's early.
1: Wake me up. Wake me up. Wake up. Wake up, wake me up. Don't wake me up. Wake up. Wake
0: up. Rob Thompson. Thompson. Do not believe the other way in
1: transition to the point. Oh, my left Slap.
0: I want
1: some nasty. Rudy J. Cowboys win. How else would you settle this game?
0: How about this Cowboys? Yeah. each day as if it were on purpose. I wake up in the morning, I piss excellent. r r in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good
5: morning!
0: <laughs> Good morning to you.
3: Good morning?
2: That's James Pledger. yes. This is R&R in the morning. I'm Rob Thompson, and in in, uh, Rudy J's stead, we have James Pledger sitting comfortably today, as Rudy's going to take a couple of well-deserved days off, as we begin the NFL football season in earnest, the game going off tonight, Kansas City, Detroit. It is the national primetime game, and when you think that, I want you to think San Antonio Sports Star. We got the game, got the preview and everything getting going about 6.30. You want Thursday night football, you got it right here on San Antonio Sports Star, as you will have it all the way through the weekend.
3: We also got the pregame for you. Pregame with the Blitz out at the route, yeah. 21 in Redlam Road tonight.
2: They'll be there from uh, getting going at 2, and they'll stay there as long as they possibly can. Yes, let's celebrate the Root Pub tonight. Uh, let's talk about the game this evening that begins the season. You know, the Lions last year were probably the feel-good story of the year. Sure. That, uh, you know, Dan Campbell, I think there were a lot of doubters. I was one of them. That his, and for lack of a better term, we call it rah-rah. His rah-rah coaching style, which always plays well in college, I just never thought would work in the pros. Mr. Bite the kneecaps? Prove me wrong. And uh, the last eight games of the season, they were as good a football team as there was in the NFL. I don't think anybody would argue that. They're, They're no longer able to sneak up on anybody. I think we can all... There's been enough talk. We saw everybody play them. And I think anybody who played them was worse for it the next week, even if they beat them. They just, you know, I think that that defense hits you. And I think that tonight, this is the best shot anybody's going to have this season to go into Kansas City and win a football game. And if I'm Detroit and I'm Dan Campbell, if I leave and I have not won, I know that I have squandered a massive, massive opportunity that ain't nobody else going to get. At least it doesn't appear sitting today. Now, maybe next week that'll be different. But to play a chief team without Kelsey, without Jones, well, that's a gift. Last night, Troy Aikman was on SVP. These are his thoughts on the game today
4: well i think that's been a question for him for for many years and he and he's answered those questions i think when you've looked at at his career and without some of the key players he's been able to find a way to win i think it's a credit to him it's a credit to andy Reid and that staff and what they've been able to do but those are two great players and you start losing players like that uh then eventually it, it has a big impact i know that if if I was over on the other side, I, I'd sure be happy about it, especially if I was Jared Goff, knowing that Chris Jones isn't going to be rushing. I mean, that changes a lot of things as far as what you're doing within pass protection and and then, of course, not to have his number one weapon in, in Travis Kelsey. So a lot of favorable things for, uh, for Detroit, but it's still going to be a monumental task for them to go on the road, uh, defending Super Bowl champs, playing on the road like that. I always feel like the Super Bowl champ comes into week one uh, still riding that high off of the Super Bowl, and they're hard to beat that first week of the season.
2: Troy Aikman on, <laughs> on Scott Van Pelt last night talking about the matchup today.
3: You I, know, I disagree wholeheartedly with you and when you say this is the best chance for a team to go into Kansas City and get a win because the best chance for anybody to go into Kansas City and get a win is that Blaine Gabbard's under center. Well... well As long as Mahomes is there and healthy, which is the reason Kelsey's not there, is because he's not healthy possibly. That's your best chance to get them. A fully functioning Patrick Mahomes, I give the advantage at any point in time against almost any team in the league, especially a team that is not going to be overlooked. You were overlooked last year. You started one and seven on the season. You got hot late and you started catching some teams off guard and got some probably upsets that you wouldn't normally get you're not hunting anymore people are aware you're there and that's a different that is a different mentality to go from being the hunted hunters to the hunted
2: the opportunity is there and i still at the same time say that the chiefs are going to come out of the AFC. Mm -hmm. I I, I still haven't seen anything to prove to me anything different. And you're right about Mahomes. He is to this point proven to be Superman. And in season openers, he's even more of that. He's thrown 18 touchdowns without without an interception in season openers. Mm -hmm. It's the most consecutive passing touchdowns without an interception in openers in NFL history. He averages just a little over 300 yards per game in season openers, and that's also the most in history with a minimum of five games. He's posted a 90 total QBR in every season opener, the highest of any QBA since ESPN even began tracking the this back in 2006. So we have not found the limits to which we can expect greatness with Pat Mahomes. But I think you're coming to a point where you will. Is it tonight? I think it is. Just on the the matter of if there's one coach in this NFL that I think – Has the methodology, which is that college fire up, rah rah, we're going to win with violence and precision, comes way after that. Mm -hmm. It's Dan Campbell, and if you're going to win against the Chiefs, you feel like it's violence that gets you out, gets them out of the rhythm that's required for Mahomes to be successful. I like Detroit so much so that when I go to now, I like the Detroit tonight. I can them, see that. I'm taking them out, right? I'm taking them to win, and uh, I will wrap some other things around. But we are just beginning the NFL weekend.
3: It's a lot like the I'm treating Patrick Mahomes the same way I treated Tom Brady. As
2: Unbeatable long as he's until there. proven otherwise, yeah.
3: Until proven otherwise, I'm I'm taking the goat.
2: Now we'll have uh, today at eight thirty. Uh, we've got Danny Connell joining us at the same time. Uh, we expect to write about that time. Mike McCarthy will have his daily presser. We will have all of the presser for you, uh, as soon as we, uh, complete our nice long college football discussion with Danny Cannell. So, uh, we had an opportunity to hear from, from coach yesterday as they prepare for a primetime game. You know, James, when we talked to McCarthy last year, he said, you know, he doesn't really like, you know, he likes primetime in that, you know, big time play, big time things, and they Mm -hmm. want to do big time stuff. But as far as any coach, he knows his team's sweet spot—the time when his guys are most ready to play—and it's three o'clock. I mean, that's his guys are programmed to play at three because that's mostly when they do it. I and mean, everybody's body clocks kind of rounds that way. Mm-hmm. He doesn't like having to deal with the all day of prime time and watching and getting ready and all. They didn't feel like his guys are ready, but when you're the cowboys so you sit and you're gonna be live uh getting ready for the game out at twin peaks park north location on sunday uh you go live at three at three o'clock and uh getting you ready for the primetime game so you know gather with friends like mine go to park north get yourself an icy cold brew maybe a a uh scratch made charcuterie board and a big old perfectly served bourbon
3: yeah and don't forget i'm gonna have Tickets to go see Three Doors Down while I'm out there. And on Cowboy games, during primetime games, when the Cowboys are playing, Twin Peaks, they usually do a Cowboys jersey raffle at halftime of that game. So come get your raffle tickets, get set up for that. And you could be going home with, you know, a number 11 or a 7. I've seen a 4 and an 88 given away. I want 42. You want Hunter Lepke? Uh, Deuce Vaughn. <laughs> I, I'm About to say, I had to reevaluate.
2: Uh, do, do they sell a, a, a Deuce Vaughn jersey in anything larger than a medium? Uh, I, Is it, think, they shouldn't.
3: I think they have a medium. Uh, I think th- that's as large as it the goes. largest
2: Deuce Vaughn jersey you should be able to buy should be medium. No big guys allowed. You can't. You, it's just not fair.
3: Well, that'd be like me putting on a Yao Ming jersey.
2: D- Dak Prescott <laughs> has beaten the New York Giants. 11 straight times.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Was it last year when we saw Aaron Rodgers standing in the end zone in Buffalo? I mean, Buffalo in Chicago in soldier field scream at the fans. I, I own, own you. you. He owned the bears, but nobody is more owned than the giants.
3: Well, the giants have been bad.
2: Well, I'm just saying you lose 11 straight. Now, some of this, Just on general principle, you go, at some point, a streak like this has to break. Just on general, just playing the
3: odds. 11 straight? (laughs) Holy cow. Well, part of the reason they've lost is because offensively, the last few years, except for last year, Saquon Barkley's usually hurt the last few years. Uh, The offensive line has been uh, porous, to say the least. And they don't really have a lot of offensive skill position weapons, but Mike McCarthy did say they've added some things offensively that make them more dangerous. Oh,
6: more speed, I think. You know, the first thing I don't just talk about the defense. So, um, but you know, I think the biggest thing we're we're focused on. I mean, their personnel. We we, we obviously acknowledge that you know the additions that they've made. Um, but, you know, this this time of year. To, to, to me, September football, there's, there's so much that's in common, and uh, you know you got to watch that you don't chase every ghost, you know, on, on all three and all three phases. In uh, fact, I just came from a conversation that, that is fresh on my mind with that. But you know they do a lot. Um, you know they're scheme heavy uh, through, all, through all their phases, and uh, but they you know their offensive you know um, playmaker you know has gone up obviously with the additions. So uh, we're You're talking, talking about Waller.
3: About. Well, he's talking about Waller. He's talking about the addition, uh, addition of Cedric, Wilson, uh, Cedric Tillman. He's talking about um, Saquon. Saquon being healthy. Uh, Daniel Jones looking like he took a step under Brian Daybowl last year. And I imagine in year two under Daybowl, he takes another step forward. Uh, they just paid t- Evan...
2: Who is the biggest small tight end or wide receiver? I don't know how we define him, but there is a couple of weapons with the Giants, and I am not even including Saquon in there. I am just talking about things that 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 Jones has to play with. The Evan Ingram, Darren Waller, that's an interesting combo.
3: Well, Evan Ingram is no longer. I am sorry, not
2: Evan. I am sorry. the uh, The other big wide receiver. I am transferring in the old to the new. They've got an interesting combo on offense and it's big dudes. And the the style that Day Bowl runs, who mm-hmm. I put second only to Kyle Shanahan in offensive abilities. This is a I think of all the season openers that Dak has had and all the Giants teams, this is the team that is most able to jump up and get the Cowboys. I but I can believe
3: that with Andrew Neal, Evan Thomas, they've addressed their offensive line. They drafted John Michael Schmitz. It is not the sieve that it was. You have Darren Waller. You added um Jalen Hyatt who brings speed to the outside. You had Wandale Robinson healthy. Still haven't brought the guy that
2: I'm, it must be Slayton that I'm thinking.
3: Slayton, of. Isaiah Hodgins, and Paris Campbell. Like they've they've completely overhauled their skill positions, it feels like.
2: Cowboys lost the last three straight season openers, the longest streak since the losing five straight from 2000 to 2004. Each of the last season opening wins have come against the Giants. You want to talk about things that cure what ail you. C.D. Lamb is going to play his 50th career game on Sunday. He needs 45 receiving yards in week one to be the for the most in the player's first 50 games in Cowboys history. He'll, He'll pass Des Bryant. Lamb already owns the most receiving uh, receptions, 260 through 50 games. In team history, he passed uh, Des Bryant last season. And we have the opening of the Tony Pollard era uh, starting on Sunday night. He'll be making a seventh career start. Uh, The expectations there, he'll continue at 6.1 yards per touch. The most by any running back since uh, the start of 2021 season with a minimum of 200 touches. So he comes in with all the bona fides. and something that we have not seen in the preseason, Pollard uh, carrying the ball.
3: Micah feels, ever since I've heard him talk all offseason long, there feels like a different level of locked in for Micah. And Micah was asked yesterday if this being a division game for an opener on Sunday night football, if that gives this game more juice than other games throughout the season.
5: Nah, man, everyone gets the same smoke, man. It don't matter if we <laughs> we in Wisconsin, if we in Boston. Man, I'm cheating everybody the same. And as he
3: should. Everybody's getting the same smoke. No game means more than the next game. There, uh, Micah has talked openly about Super Bowls, wanting Super Bowls, dreaming about Super Bowls all offseason. Like he has been at the forefront of this is the goal for all of us. And he feels like he's spearheading that goal. Does he have a new uh he's got a new radio gig? He did. He's gonna be on Bleacher Report every Monday at five o'clock going live for a, you know, podcast, video, whatever you wanna call it. But he will have his own show every Monday. Um, Bleacher Report.
2: A full-on media blitz as Micah chases money, the likes of which defensive players could only dream of just a couple of years ago. If you haven't heard, you've been on, living under a rock. Nick Bosa got himself a, a, a whopper of a contract that's going to bring home quarterback money upwards of $34 million a year. And Micah's chasing that, so there's certainly reason for him to go out and get it. And you talk about him getting Super Bowls. This is a contract year for the man. This is an opportunity for him to go out and prove that he, in fact, is worth the money that we're all talking about. And we're talking about money, like I just said, the likes of which defensive players could only dream of just a couple of years ago. And the effects... Uh, following that are going to be huge, and as Mike McCarthy rounds this team into form, trying to break the streak of losing opening games, the theme of this season became apparent. McCarthy told us yesterday what the theme for the twenty three twenty four season is.
6: The theme is Carpe Omnia, sees everything. So, uh, presented it to the to the team today, and um, it just really. Has a few parts to it, um, so and, and frankly, probably the players should should speak on it because I'd, I'd be curious how much they paid attention. But uh, no, it's uh, it's a good theme. I, th- I think themes are important. Um, you know, they come to you at different points of, of the off season. Um, so this kinda of came a little different. I think it needs to, to illustrate where you feel your football team's at. You know, where they are in 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 their you know progression t- towards w- winning a championship and. You know, I think it's uh, you know it's very very difficult to win a Super Bowl in this league. There's no question about it. That's proven each and every year. You know, but sustaining success is I, th- I think personally in my experience is a, is a bigger challenge. So, just giving them you know the touch touch tone to to um, just to, you know connect with you know carpe seize uh, omnia everything. So is our is the way we're looking at this season. And it's you know we have an empty picture frame. Uh, in, the, in the front of the team room, and you know, illustrating, you know, you know, pictures tell, or you know, pictures say a thousand words. Uh, but the reality of it is, an empty frame is everything, you know, because it's all the possibilities, capabilities, you know, what's in front of us, and, and are we going to do what we need to do every single day, everything that we possibly can do to fill that frame, and be part of the history and tradition of the Dallas Cowboys. So, a little. Clip notes here for
2: you. <laughs> there you go. That's coach Mike McCarthy discussing the theme for this year. It is Carpe Omnia.
6: Well,
3: Carpe Omnia when you're talking about the Dallas Cowboys, it feels like one person more than any other really embodies that that saying.
6: Micah, uh, you know, his um obviously extremely gifted, but I mean he's so c- competitive and, and and he's a sponge like he's a quarterback type uh personality and i, I don't mean it i mean that in a positive way where he's you know he's he's really into everything you know so uh he is a great example of carpe omnia because he's, he's trying to seize everything so um in in and, and he does it with such a competitive fire um and he has you know tremendous skill and, and, and gifts to go with that so I said, to, to answer your question, I just see him growing in, in every way. You know, I, I see, you know, responsibility he has off the field, you know, just to, you know, really, I thought he did a really good job with his offseason plan and his personal plan that the, all these players in today's NFL have to have away from the facility just because the way it's structured now. So I think he's taken that step that you want to see all your younger players there. So uh, I feel like he's surrounded himself in a good way there. Um, so, yeah, in. You know, he, his understanding of the defense is, is significantly higher today than it was, you know, this time last year and definitely his first year. So I I don't know what I don't know if there's an area where he hasn't grown.
2: Mike McCarthy talking about his uh, number one defensive player and probably best player on the team and Micah Parsons, he is uh c- cut. Can ready. we
3: stop saying probably?
2: Well. No. No, yeah, he's the best player on the team. I don't think it's that big a deal.
3: I don't either. No. Like uh, the only competition may be Zach Martin.
2: Well, that's why I always say probably because right now Zach's got a gold jacket. It's already that's a foregone conclusion, and Micah doesn't. So we'll we'll hold on to the uh, until he gets the Nick Bosa kind of money.
3: And remember, he's putting on weight, and I think that's going to help him. I think that was kind of the impetus for him putting on weight this off season. As you remember, there was a big deal made about this, this offseason, about him wanting to get into a certain weight, and I think it's so he doesn't get run down. Remember the last two years, he started hot, but as the end of the season wore on, injuries and just play took its toll, and his play seemed to taper off Mm -hmm. towards the end of the season. I think he's trying to protect himself and his body against getting run down throughout the season while rushing the quarterback, that's what the extra weight's going to be for so he can sustain throughout the season.
2: We remember the last 30 seconds of a boxing round just like we remember the last quarter of the season. And you're right. Micah has coasted in on flames. And I don't blame him so much. I do blame the way that he's used early on. I think that there does need to be. I'm not about load management, but certainly giving him some time to be there week 17 through 20, which is where the Cowboys do expect to play. We're going to continue talking Cowboys. Lots of sound from them as they prepare for their primetime game, a game that you can catch live right here on San Antonio Sports Star. But better yet, on Sunday, get out about uh, 2 o'clock. The Park North location for Twin Peaks Pledger is hosting a Cowboys watch party. You know what that's like at Twin Peaks. That's going off on Sunday as we are your home for the Dallas Cowboys. We're also in the home for your fighting Texas Aggies. They're going to South Florida on Saturday to take on Miami. Let's talk about this weekend because Texas, you got yourself a game. Are you ready and can you do it? We'll look at how Texas is going to beat or can they beat Alabama. That's next. You're on R&R. This is one San Antonio Sports Star.
5: All
0: guests appearing on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star appear on the Buyers Barricades guest line. Buyers Barricades provides traffic control rental and sales for San Antonio and beyond. Online at buyersbarricades.com. R&R in the morning on one San Antonio Sports Star.
2: Good morning to you. <laughs>
3: good morning, good morning. Simma down on our
2: YouTube feed. Everybody going at a Giant fan?
3: Hey, I'm about it. Rivalries breed excellence.
2: It's time, man. I woke up this morning. It is the beginning of the 23-24 season in earnest. We have made it. We're just a couple of hours away from the pregame, which you can catch live right here on Saturday. In fact, the pregame basically starting at 2 o'clock Yep. Uh, as the Blitz are going to be live out at the Rue Pub. Go see him. I plan on being out there. We're going to yes. watch some football tonight and kick off the season the right way.
3: That Wimby burger still floating around it in the kitchen? It is a thing. How with was it? I remember you had it. The, it was good, the, t-
2: quite good. Now it's the it's foie, not, yeah, foie gras. Yeah, it's, oh, it's got some foie gras. Foie gras. Some goose liver pate mixed in with the beef. It's the juiciest burger I've ever had, and you can get it at the Rue Pub. Uh, ever. Now it's not the. Uh, I think we got a good deal on it. The. Uh,
3: yeah, it was a dollar back then.
2: It was the it's Tim no Duncan special. That. Now it's, oh, 21.50. it's 21.50 too. fifty-two. Twenty-one for
3: Tim, one for Wimby, fifty for. Five zero, David go. Robinson.
2: So uh, that burger will be had by many, I'm sure. Go out to the Roo Pub and enjoy the game, Texas and Bama this weekend. The game that everybody had circled a year ago when we saw that coming. This first time Texas has gone to Tuscaloosa since 1902, which is a crazy stat. It's just two heavyweights that circled each other that never had a need to play. I guess it's funny how A and M has had a longer relationship with uh, Alabama, the Bear Bryant former head coach at A&M, relationship kind of Gene Stallings has played a role in both universities. So there was a a long time there where uh, we felt a little bit closer, but Texas coming to the SEC, and we get the preview this weekend, the game of the week of the century. And and Bama's beatable. Now, Sark's trying to join. I, I think they are as far as their offense ain't what it was. Their offense feels very five years ago, six years ago, than three years ago. That this is a run-centric offense with a big old quarterback that can deliver, and they got some fast wide receivers. But the fact of the matter is, I think Bama's plan is to win the game on the ground, and that tells me that if Texas can get a lead, can get ahead early, that Sark can join that very exclusive club of former assistants to beat Saban. I think Saban's what twenty-eight and two against his, his former assistant to Kirby and uh, Jimbo.
3: Kirby and Jimbo. Oh yeah, Calzada.
2: The starting quarterback for your fighting incarnate word.
3: They want to give him back. Hmm? They want to give him. They're back. mad at it.
2: Calzada can spin it, man. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna say anything <laughs> derogatory. Texas doesn't get to the SEC till next year, but my goodness, this battle of the blue bloods—it's it, something.
3: College uh, game day is gonna be there. You know the last time Texas was in Tuscaloosa was in 1902?
2: Yeah, that's a it's a crazy number. Alabama's won 43 consecutive home games against non-conference opponents, the longest act- active street in the FBS. Oregon can claim that it's second with 31. The last loss came to University of Louisiana Monroe in 2007. That was Nick Saban's first season as their mm-hmm. head coach. Bam has also won 21 straight home games overall since losing to LSU in 2019. What What'd you think of yours over the weekend?
3: Meh. Meh. He was okay. He was good, not great. They stalled early offensively. They kind of got going in the second half, but as Bob Blue pointed out on the Blitz yesterday, it was kind of the perfect, Game for Texas, in a sense of, yeah, it took them a little bit to get going, but they did eventually, and they didn't show anything. They just they beat Rice by playing very vanilla, so they put zero on film for Alabama. Really, that's a good point.
2: And one of the things that you felt like in watching Ewers last week, and is he ready for Bama this week? And can we judge what we saw last year from Ewers? Where was he there then? Where is he now? Um, in the first quarter before Ewers got hurt last year, Ewers looked pretty good. He looked better and pretty so, good. I'm 130 yards in the first quarter, which was the most any quarterback had thrown against the Crimson Tide since Nick Saban arrived in 07. Now, Manziel and Hendon Hooker had some good games against them, and Brian Johnson did in the Sugar Bowl back in 09, but nothing like what we saw Ewers.
3: Ewers was on pace to eviscerate that Bama defense. But then Ewers gets hurt, and Hudson Card comes in, and Hudson Card gets a high ankle sprain that he is basically limping around for mm-hmm. most of the second half on one leg trying to will that team to a victory between him and just turning around and handing it off to Bijan B- Robinson 50 times. And they almost did it. <laughs> That's why I don't get why Texas
2: fan isn't more enthused about this game.
3: There is a concern with the level of height that has been given to Texas this offseason. Because we haven't seen it. And even in the first game, you haven't. Like Alabama put up 56. Texas A&M put up 52. Against Rice at home, Texas only scored 37 and looked very lethargic in the first half. Yes, only. The the second half,
2: it was a matter of time before that offense got locked in. And I don't know why I'm defending this, but... It was a matter of a vanilla offense. On the other side, I felt like Bama was trying too hard to scare people.
3: Did Do you feel like Texas A&M was trying? I think A&M. I
2: watched that game. That looked like very vanilla, too. It, well, it was to the extent that it was a young team trying to find their way, and they're getting ready for Miami, but not nearly. I know We didn't know what to expect from a combo offense that included the Petrino gambler. And the Jimbo don't make a mistake for the love of God. Where it was going to be the mix? And we saw a Patrino style offense. They went down downhill. That's just what Patrino's always done. We didn't. I knew exactly what to expect from Texas and their offense, and I eventually got it. I mean, you've got a quarterback friendly offense that's got good spread offense and a couple of backs that can that'll make the first guy miss, and a really good defense. A really good defense. Well, they give up like 175 yards total. Mm-hmm. I know it's Rice, but this is third stringers on first stringers in the in the second half. Yeah. And they still held them to nothing. And Rice never had a prayer. I didn't see one opening in that defense that gave me any pause.
3: Pete Kwi- Kwiatkowski has, over the last couple of years, really started to hone in on that defense. And you can tell that some of that talent that he's been infusing over the last few years is starting to rise to the top, and you're starting to see it portray itself on the field. So here's the difference. Here's
2: the separator. As Texas prepares to go into the SEC, they held the Owls to 27 yards on the ground. Mm-hmm. Alabama had four different players rush for that much, or at least that much.
3: Yeah, but, I mean, their quarterback was their largest Rusher at forty-eight and, yards and, on the day. That, and I mean, don't say had, yeah,
2: like, but that's their offense. It's coming to you. That's they coming at you.
3: Thirty-eight running backs playing that game,
2: and it's coming at you on Saturday. Is Texas tough enough?
3: I think defensively, they they are ready for a run challenge. My question becomes, not the run if they can hold up when threatened in the pass in the passing game.
2: Last year, uh Texas blitzed a, a, a very different quarterback for sure. Mm-hmm. And Bryce Young, they blitzed uh, Bryce Young 33% of the time. The highest rate they did all season long. He was 7 to 12 in those blitz ones and that was and uh, you know, he completed but for the most part they were a little short passes. Um I don't think they're going to need to blitz this year. I think this is a team that can load up against the run, and if they can, if they can get just a little bit of the lead, if they can get a little bit of the lead, I think Sarkma might be able to hold them off. But they got to get a lead, and Texas is going to have to prove that they're tough enough to play the kind of game that's required to win in the SEC, and especially in Tuscaloosa. You're going to have to be tougher than you've than you've been in a long time. I agree. And it's not about precision. It's not about speed. It's about 7-on-7, and Bama's going to test you. Nick Saban's going to test Sark and see if Texas has the heart because that's going to be the theme.
3: Look, Xavier Worthy, Joram Withington, Tavion Sanders, A.D. Mitchell, like they've got weapons on the outside. My question for Texas comes to the backfield. Keelan Robinson, Jaden Blue, Jonathan Brooks, C.J. Baxter, I just... I don't know. Replacing Bijan Robinson isn't easy by any stretch of the imagination. I don't know if these running backs can help to alleviate the possible pressure packages you will see because you are in a hostile environment. You are going to be on the road. You are going to have trouble with the snap count because Brian Denny stadium gets loud and can they handle that, especially in crucial third downs Can they? when you have to pass Give it?
2: me a reason. I, I'm the one I feel like I'm saying Texas has a chance, and most of the Texas guys I know are like, well, you know this and that. This is as good an opportunity as you're going to have, trust me. This It, it feels like Detroit going into Kansas City. Texas, you got a shot here. You got a shot because this offense
3: ain't what it was. You got a shot, but this is the boogeyman. Make no mistakes. This is the Cowboys-San Francisco 49ers. This is the team. You thought you had them last year. And somehow, an unblocked blitz gets missed on what would have ended the game. And all of a sudden, you have to watch Alabama go down, score, beat you at home in a game that you controlled for, what, 59 of the 60 minutes of that game
2: we're going to continue talking uh the game itself danny cannell will be here in about 30 minutes. We also have uh, Mike McCarthy's uh, weekly press conference coming around the corner as well. So the next hour is going to be busy. Connell will be here at 8.30. We're looking around the rest of the NFL, getting ready for the game tonight. Coming up next, we're talking college football with Danny Connell. Florida State on the bounce-back trail. What does he see from A&M? What does he see in Texas and uh, uh, Alabama? We've got one of the great minds. He's going to be here just after 8.30. And Mike McCarthy giving us the lowdown for the big game coming up on Sunday night a game you can catch live right here on San Antonio Sports it's 0,
0: 0600 what's the O stand for oh my god it's early
1: wake me up wake me up wake up wake me up wake me up
0: Rob Thompson you don't believe the other way in transition to the, oh. the left I want Sebastian.
1: Rudy J. Cowboys win. How else would you settle this game?
0: How about this, Cowboys? each day as if it were on purpose. I wake up in the morning, I kiss excellent. R&R in the morning on 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star.
2: Good
1: morning!
2: Hey, good morning to you. It's R&R in the morning, a Thursday edition. I'm Rob Thompson in... Uh, Rudy J's place. You heard, uh, just heard him doing Sports Center. James Pledgers pulling an all-dayer, uh, came in early, gonna be staying late as, uh, we begin a full sporting day. NFL begins today as the, uh, Chiefs and the Lions kick off this evening. We'll get you going starting at two o'clock as the Blitz goes live from the Roo Pub. We're taking you all the way up to kickoff. Uh, there uh, in uh, Kansas City as they unveil the banner, and Detroit goes in to get him. But the news of yesterday that will play into today is Nick Bosa is a wealthy man. He finally gets uh, paid after a holdout there with the 49ers. A five year $170 million signed, 122 and a half of it guaranteed, that averages out to right at $34 million a year. It's the biggest non quarterback contract in the history of the National Football League. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Obviously there is with him coming to town this holds ramifications on that game tonight as there is somebody else holding out
2: No Chris for Jones. A new contract As we sit today the Kansas City Chiefs all NFL all pro defensive lineman probably the third most important guy on the Chiefs team over the last four years, agreed, is sitting out, as, a, as is uh, uh, the second most important guy, Travis Kelsey. Now, he's not sitting out. He's limping around. He hyperextended a knee in practice two days ago. We don't have a definite that he's out, but I can't imagine, uh, given the uh, length of the season and the type of injury he dealt with, that we'll see him tonight. We're going to find out if they have pushed Kansas City or if Kansas City has pushed Pat Mahomes to the limit. If they, found, they haven't found any reason to keep anybody else around that he's been capable of winning games on his own.
3: I was very concerned the year prior when Tyreek Hill was traded away because he wanted $30 million. but I saw the contract that he got and I was like, I understand how that was unsustainable. But then Patrick Mahomes goes out and has probably, if not the best, one of the best seasons in his career because it it looked like he stopped trying to force the over-the-top stuff with Tyreek. There were a lot of times that the Kansas City Chiefs offense felt like... It was just waiting and waiting and waiting for the big play, and he was extending and extending mm-hmm. far more than he should have and trying to force things when the defenses were openly trying to take away everything over the top, and it felt like he became a better passer because of it. I'm, I'm wondering if his security blanket in, in Travis Kelsey is the same thing to where, okay— Yeah, I don't have him anymore. It just means I have to spread it around and get the ball out of my hands faster. The thing that we have found that has been most consistent
2: with this offense is the combo of Mahomes to Kelsey. That goes without saying. And it's and we've heard players for the last several years saying these guys draw plays with their eyes that they don't even what we're what we see on film, and then what we see them do are two different things because they don't operate under the constructs of a play. They operate under the constructs of they just know – Mahomes just knows where Kelsey is going to be. and it's Just one of those innate things that very few players or receivers and quarterbacks get, and very rarely do you get it over a period of time like mm-hmm. we've seen. And as much as Chris Jones is valuable, and for the most part, he is the Kansas City defense. Mm-hmm. That mean, he is – the guy that just keeps them respectable in the track meets that are Kansas City Chiefs football games. That The most important loss ain't Chris Jones. In fact, I think the Chiefs planned on this. They don't expect Chris Jones to play, and that's fine because they expect to be able to hang 45. Without Kelsey, they ain't hanging 45 points. They're not. They're not going to be as good. Now, they might be able to manufacture 30. They might be able to manufacture a touchdown a quarter and get 28. But this offense ain't going to be what we last saw. I don't care what they uncork. I don't care who the OC is. I don't care what else goes on. We cannot expect what they were in game one, especially because they prepped. They prepped up until day before yesterday with Kelsey in mind. He was going to play, and now he ain't.
3: Look, I think we need to get past the misconception of the Chiefs defense and the offense needing to score 45, especially without Chris Jones. That defense is a lot better than people give it credit for, which is a reason that they won the Super Bowl last year. With George Carl Falafas and Willie Gay and Nick Bolton and Justin Reed and Trent McDuffie. see that's just a bunch of names, James. That Legereous doesn't tell me anything. Sneed. No, these <laughs> are just great a bunch players of players that make plays. Chris Jones is the spearhead of that. I understand his importance. But there are a lot of great players on a lot of different levels of, of that defense that I don't think give enough credit. And there's this misconception that you know you've the Chiefs' offense has to score 45 to keep them in games. Now the defense has played very well, especially down the stretch over the last three years, especially with Steve Spagnuolo as the defensive coordinator.
2: Now Chris Jones, as we sit this very moment, is out. Though he has said uh, previous to today that if a contract is available that he believes he will be ready to play he spoke yesterday considering the situation he's in and when you take away the uh, emotion it's he's just an employee asking for something <laughs> this what is
4: what can i say um opinions are like everybody got on this all stink <laughs> right so you know um there's some gonna like it some gonna respect it and some is gonna dislike it that's just the way it is you can't make everybody happy Unfortunately, uh, as much as you try to do and as much as you try to appease people, you're not going to make everyone happy. Unfortunately, I'm sorry. And I'm just asking for a raise.
2: Just a guy asking for a raise. Mm. That's all he's asking for. Now, you can't make everybody happy. That's true, Chris. But you did make Micah happy. This is Micah's response to this whopper deal and whether uh, Chris Jones should uh, follow suit. We'll see.
5: (laughs) Uh, Super happy for Nick Bosa, man. He just... He really showed why he was the best player in the league last year. Um, and it gives you something to chase, man, and not in terms of his contract, but in terms of how great he was. If you study his mindset, how patient he was, and just let the game come to him, it's really something to look for. And, uh, you know, I'm, you know, he knows that I'm coming for him. He even said to my ears, like, I won this year. And he's like, I know you'll be coming for next year. I said, you damn right. So, you know, uh, it's going to be a good chase. And not only just him, Max Crosby, too, and those guys are all really good.
3: See, he's not even, he's happy for him, but not even because of the contract and what it means for him. It's not about the money, Rob.
2: Well, uh, the Depoy is on the line. (laughs) And as Nick Bosa has become the highest paid defensive player in history of the NFL, it'll be a title that he only holds for a little while. It's just a matter of... Uh, when Micah finally does sign the deal, and mm-hmm. and as the defensive player of the year got a guy that was already getting paid a bigger deal, Micah will see that follow suit. It's just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. But the problem is, while the pie is bigger than it used to be, the salary cap continues to grow. Dak is it
3: going fast enough?
2: Is going to get paid. So the next in line for the whopping paychecks after <sighs> Nick Joe after Nick Bosa. It ain't going to be Chris Jones. Chris Jones ain't going to see Bosa money.
3: He ain't. But he wants Aaron Donald money. And that's fine.
2: But we're talking about Micah. He looks at the contract that Bosa signed, and he sees the dollar values that are coming. And Jones, I think his slot is not going to change because there's one significant difference here. I think that Kansas City planned on not having Chris Jones. I think so, too. And expects him to be out for a while, and the number they have offered him ain't going to change.
3: You know how much I I think that they've... Anticipated him not being a part of this team. He's not on their depth chart right now.
2: <laughs> well <laughs> that's the equivalent of a player changing his social status yeah. on the social. So
3: that's that's I don't, funny. I, it's funny, but it just goes to show Chris Jones wants thirty. I think that's evident. He wants to be near the top of the market and the Chiefs probably have him somewhere around TJ Watt at twenty eight, twenty seven, you know something more affordable, a little bit less than the top of the market. And that's where the disagreement is. And I think the Chiefs know they are eventually going to have to redo Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey's deal at some point. And so they see these other contracts coming down the line and you can't tie up money everywhere. And the the fact of the matter is Chris Jones is a really, really, really good player.
4: But he ain't great.
3: But he ain't great, and the f- the problem is he only plays great when he's ready to get paid. He played great under a franchise tag. He played great under a year where he knew once he played great, he was asking for a raise.
2: And I like the way you put the uh, good players and great money. Uh, yesterday, Mike Lombardi joined the Blitz, and he talked about the Dak Prescott contract. Are you giving
3: him the same uh- – the same title as you give Mike Tannenbaum? Uh, I, I will say. Well, um, Failed G. <laughs> well, I,
2: I will say this. He ain't currently doing it. He, <laughs> but he does have a book out. <laughs> and he joined the Blitz yesterday. And while we're, the discussion was the context, in the context of Dak Prescott mm-hmm. and the imminent amount of money that he's about to get, I think that the NFL is becoming the NBA in that the money is there for the greats, but how it's becoming and why it's becoming the NBA is really the, the discussion point. Mike Lombardi yesterday talked with the boys on the blitz about paying good players, great money and what that means in the NFL.
1: Well, I mean, we've seen this quarterback market go through the roof. I mean, Russell Wilson, he's not certainly worth it. He, you know, he didn't live up to his contract. Sean Watson hasn't lived up to his contract. You know, unless Jerry's willing to take a stance and say, Dak, either you take this or I'm getting a new quarterback, then Dak's got all the options. Dak holds all the cards. I don't know if Jerry's going to be willing to do that because if he was willing to do that, he wouldn't have to give Jerry, he wouldn't have to give him this deal. But remember, here's where fear does the work of reason for the players. the The teams are fearful if they don't sign Dak, they lose him. The quarterback position is a lot like the NBA. You know, you know, in the NBA when we watch these teams give ridiculous contracts to good players and we say, why would they pay that guy that? It's not going to make them any better, right? Mm-hmm. Well, that's the same thing in the NFL because you're scared if you lose this player, you're not going to be any good. You're going to be worse than you are, so you overpay him. That's what happened with Jerry and Dak. Deck. Dak's a good player. Dak's a really good player. But Dak's not worth the number that he got compared to relative terms. And unless you're prepared to take that on, unless you're prepared to challenge that, in terms of your willingness to go out and draft a guy, you're going to get stuck with him. You can't leave your team like that.
2: That's Mike Lombardi. Yesterday, he joined the Blitz, talking about the methodology behind paying good quarterbacks great money and why the NFL has gotten here.
3: And it's not even paying good great, because that is something we see in a, a lot of instances with a lot of different players. Um, he said, fear doing the work of reason. <laughs> And it's true, especially when you're talking about quarterbacks, because there are so few and finite number of quarterbacks that you can rely on in the NFL to play well enough to win you games at that kind of level, the level that a Dak Prescott wins games at.
2: Lamar Jackson, the former NFL MVP with Baltimore, the Baltimore Ravens ownership told him, look, man, go shop. Go find your market. If you can find a better deal, go get it. He didn't. So there's one GM. Is that that or is that collusion? Well, see, what I'm getting at is there's (laughs) one GM who used the modern NFL method of the cop-out, which is go shop your services. And then we get into what – I'm not saying there's collusion. I am. (laughs) Per se. But I do know that there are (laughs) – Trends in the NFL that general managers pay attention to. Mm-hmm. And it's, you know, keeping up with the Joneses, the hot position, you know, what I know that I'm going to have to spend to keep a certain position around. And defensive line is and will continue to be a very expensive position to fill. Mm-hmm. You don't see defensive guys being told to go out and shop, get shopped. You see quarterbacks and running backs. Go out and get shopped, and the running backs suffered, and Lamar Jackson got paid. I don't think anybody will quibble with the amount of money he got paid. It it seemed to fit, and when you look at the current quarterback rankings, you can go by CBS's version, or you can go by the athletic version. When you look at Dak Prescott... He's the bottom of the top ten. He's the bottom of the top ten. Lamar Jackson's flowing right in there with him, right beside him. Yep. So we know that Dak is going to get
3: paid by Jerry. It is a foregone conclusion. And I think the going to get go shop, I think that was more about reining in the thought process of getting a fully guaranteed contract the way Deshaun Watson did. It's the, I think it was about reining out. that
2: part well, of It's it. the cop-out. Don't ask me. Ask the rest of the league. And then you whisper behind the scenes, you have the invisible ink memo.
3: There's no fully guaranteed contract. So given that, not only is
2: Dak going to get what the current market will bear, there'll be eight other dudes, well, I'll say six other dudes just like him that are gonna get it too. They're they're all going to get it. It is just a percentage of the salary cap that every general manager has decided we're gonna divvy it up. And when we see a sixty million dollar quarterback, and that's gonna happen in the next two years, yep. and get Given the order of signings, you got to assume it's going to be Dak. you got to assume that Jerry's going to wait, he always has, and he doesn't mind to pay more. He'd rather wait and feel like he won some kind of negotiation than he would just jump in and get the deal done. Because Burrow is going to get paid, yes, and it'll probably happen before Dak. But here's the problem that Jerry's going to run into. He's got to sign Dak first to move the money around to pay Micah mm-hmm. the other quarterback money he's going to have to pay.
3: And that's that's a true statement. Micah's about to make quarterback money, and you got to worry about the Jaguars jumping Trevor Lawrence in front of you all of a sudden. Because that becomes a distinct possibility now.
2: He's going to pay him.
3: He's going to. And, and he's going to pay him. The market value. So is it on Jerry, though, or is it on Dak and Todd France and saying, let's wait, let's see what happens, let's see if Patrick Mahomes redoes his deal first, let's see if Burrow does their deal first, because even if it's more, it raises your floor. Right
2: now, Dak has every bit of leverage, as you heard.
3: And he's always Ma- Mike had. Lombardi.
2: It. And it will continue to be so because he is one of the One of ten. One of ten, and he, he, he is a valuable commodity that is going to continue to raise. He
3: is not just a valuable commodity. He is the most valuable commodity in the NFL.
2: The good news is he does have some time. I think that Jerry and the Cowboys have a bit of time to see this season through. And both Micah and Dak can treat this year and should be treating this year like it's a contract year. And if you get contract year play out of your two most important players, then then Jerry would have engineered a situation where he's got his two best players acting like this is a do-or-die contract year. Mm -hmm. So by design, I think Jerry got exactly where he wants to go. But the problem with the design is if it plays out the way that you want it to, it's going to cost you a quarter of a billion dollars. It's the kind of gambit that if it works, it'll get you to the NFC championship game or even beyond. Mm-hmm. And that quarter of a billion dollars won't won't hurt you at all. But between the two, it's gonna cost you two hundred and fifty million dollars.
3: Can you afford both of them and yes, C D?
2: Without hesitation, yes. And C D? And C D. Yes, it can be done.
3: And it will be done. So DAC at like let's say fifty four, arguably. Right? Mm-hmm. If we assume Joe Burrow's going to break the 52, whatever that Herbert did, and get closer to 55, 53, 54 for Dak would then kind of be the slot range, I think.
2: I would think don't look at the 54, look at the guaranteed. Sure. Mark. It's I always th- the guaranteed. And I mark. think that they're, the the contract's going to look like 54, but it'll be a 30 some odd payout with a heavy back end.
3: 35 for Micah. And if Dak has the year we think he's going to have, that means CD's going to have a whale of a year. Mm-hmm. So 30-plus for CD, too, on top of everybody else they've just paid this offseason.
2: Now, the key for this, as it will be for every player on the Cowboys, but especially Micah and Dak, you stay healthy, you produce, you will set records. That's the bottom line. But staying healthy is key, primarily for Dak Prescott to start the season and for Micah Micah Parsons to close out a season. Can they stay healthy and can they justify getting paid?
0: It's the Awesome Tickets Pro Football Pigum Challenge on ninety four one San Antonio Sports Star. You're shot at $50,000 nationally, while weekly winners locally get a $50 gift card to Five Oaks Ace Hardware on Thousand Oaks. At the end of the season, locally, the best overall record wins the San Antonio Grand Prize of $1,000 worth of tickets to any event from Awesome Tickets. Sign up today at sasportstar.com r&r in the morning on one san antonio sports star hey good morning to you it's
2: r&r in the morning here on san antonio sports star james Pledger sitting in for rudy J, who's taking some well-deserved time uh, as we get into the football season we're heading into week three of the ncaa football season we promised you he's here danny cannell's here uh, courtesy of betonline.com uh, Hey, Danny, welcome aboard, man. We're glad you're here. we got a lot to talk about down here in South Texas as uh, uh, the Longhorns are headed east to Tuscaloosa. Let's look there first. Uh, On the basics, let's talk about Alabama's offense first. Uh, Danny, welcome on. First of all, good to hear from you. I'm glad you're here. Um, Let's talk about Bama's offense and brand-new quarterback and what we can expect to see from that after their first showing against Middle Tennessee.
7: Oh, my goodness. Fellas, what's going on, man? It's great to be on with you. So I'm really like, you know, you got to like emotionally try to separate yourself and bring some rational thought to the table when we talk about both these teams, Texas and Bama, because, you know, kind of different openers in their performances kind of response to it. But I keep wondering, was Nick Saban like sandbagging us all when he was talking about this three-man race and competition for quarterback? Because what you saw from Jalen Milrow – was pretty spectacular, and I think would make you know Steve Sarkeesian and his his defensive coordinator Pete Kwiatkowski pretty nervous because while it didn't look the same as it did with Bryce Young or Mac Jones or Tua Tagovailoa, it still looks pretty dang explosive, right? I mean, he is a dynamic runner, uh, but the deep shots—he's going to take some deep shots down the field. He connected on a few of those you know, and on the afternoon against Middle Tennessee, he had five total touchdowns, and you're like, holy cow. Like, I thought there was going to be a drop-off offensively, but like everything, you have to take into consideration the opponent. So I think this offense is going to look different, though, and I think that's what most people thought coming into the season, is that, yeah, you'll have more of a a quarterback run-based offense, but that doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to be as explosive, which is something that I – you know, probably thought it would have been a little bit more conservative, but they showcased the ability to hit on those big plays early.
3: So are we expecting more of the offense that we saw with Jalen Hurts with Alabama then? Yes, I think so. I think that is a pretty
7: good comp, but I still think Milroe is like a more dynamic runner. So like, yeah, because Jalen Hurts is a great runner. Like we've seen him do that in the NFL and we saw him do it at Oklahoma, and we saw him do it at Alabama. But I think Jalen Milrow is like a bigger, harder physical quarterback to come to bring down and maybe even more of a little bit of an electric runner, like faster, you know, more explosive. And Jalen Hurts is thick. Like don't get me wrong, but there's there's something about a quarterback that's his size and Milrow that just kind of intimidates you. And if I'm if I'm Texas, I have one thought and one thought only it is stop him running the football. And even if it presents some, you know, one-on-one opportunities on the outside that can put your defensive backs in a precarious position with one on ones, I'm saying I'm going to sell out. I just cannot let Jalen Milrow beat us with his legs. And if he hits a big play, you kind of tip your cap and say, well done, you know, good job. You got us on that one. But I don't think you can let him get going on the ground. Because if you do, it's just going to make a really long afternoon for the Longhorns, I think.
2: Uh, Danny Cannell joining us here on San Antonio Sports Time, brought to you by ben Online, uh, net. former Florida State quarterback, NFL quarterback, college football. analyst. So you know who Danny Cannell is, no question. Uh, uh, t- tell me about uh, what you think about uh, Quinn Ewers, what you saw in that first half, and can he bring what he brought in the first half of last year's game uh, minus a little bit of talent behind him in Bijan? Do you expect to see the Quinn Ewers we've been told about, or do we see the first half Quinn Ewers against Bama? Uh,
7: I don't know. I don't know <laughs> what we get. I like him a lot. So here's what I'll tell you kind of my thought process, which is kind of unfolded. I'll give you a little uh, peek behind the hood. So all off season watching this game, and it's a game that's been circled on everybody's calendar. I really like the Longhorns, right? I was like, man, last year's game, they should have won. You mentioned Quinn Ewers in that game. He was 9 of 12 for 134 yards, carving up Alabama's defense. And then, of course, he had the clavicle injury, which took him out of the game. Um, but then we saw, and I think one of the best decisions that Sark made and announcements he made was after the spring game. Because, look, Arch Manning is the massive elephant in that quarterback room. Malik Murphy, the other quarterback, you know, played outstanding in the spring game. He could have easily, Sark could have said, we're going to continue this competition in the offseason and in the training camp. He didn't. He said, this is Quinn Ewers' team. He is our starter. And I thought that was a great move because, one, it takes a lot of pressure off Quinn Ewers, but it also says, this is your team. And to me, for him to do that, it tells me that Quinn Ewers did everything he was supposed to do, that I think he was humbled from the adversity that he faced last year um, and so I kind of was like, man, and you've gotta, you got to acknowledge that, yes, you lost B. John Robinson, but the talent they have at the skill position is pretty spe- special there for the Longhorns. So I love Texas, kind of like all offseason. Man, they're getting a touchdown. I like them to go into Tuscaloosa and cover that, if not war- or if not win the game. Then all of a sudden, you get what we just talked about, Jalen Milrow looking really good. And you get Texas, who, yes, it was a comfortable win, and, and Quinn Ewers finished the day pretty strong statistically, but a little bit of a slow-ish start. And so I was like, man, Bama looks tough. Like, I don't know, is, is Bama just going to go out there and roll him? So I'm I'm, I'm kind of all over the map. As I'm kind of doing more and more analysis and kind of just studying more film, I also think that Steve Sarkeesian knows against Rice, you don't have to show the full playbook and in offense and defensively. You know, you don't have to show them your game plan. You can come out a little bit more conservative, and I think that's why it wasn't a complete blowout and shellacking. So – I'm finding myself again really liking the Longhorns with that touchdown. As long as it's out of touchdown, this line moved a little bit yeah. on Tuesday. It was at four and a half, and I was like, "Oh boy, like this thing's getting that close at a full touchdown or more." I like the Longhorns here with the points because I do think they're going to be able to find ways to score. Stark is an outstanding game pl- uh, game planner. I think he knows clearly. He knows Saban's defensive philosophies. He faced them so many times in practice. And and last year, that he had success early. And even without Quinn Ewers, they still did pretty well offensively. I think they'll be able to put up points, and I'm still not 100% convinced that Jalen milrow is just going to all of a sudden be zero drop off
2: he's danny cannell brought to you by bet online he likes the numbers so do i hey we saw the first iteration of the arranged marriage there with uh texas (laughs) a&m and uh jimbo and bobby petrino you certainly have some unique uh, uh perspective with jimbo what'd you think of that offense and how much of petrino did you see in the play calling
7: so this is probably one of my boldest takes of the off season. Um, I think Texas A&M is going to win the SEC West. Um, I think it works. And, you know, I, and you know, when, when the announcement was made that Jimbo Fisher was bringing in Bobby Petrino to take over the offense, I, and I think this is not, this is not a Danny Cannell take. This is a national take. Like it was either going to be boom or bust. Mm. I don't know if there's a room for like, it's going to be okay because of the polarization of the personalities, the egos, the coverage, the expectations. like I do think it works, though. Everywhere Petrino has been, he's had a tremendous amount of success with quarterbacks, With uh, which he's worked with. Quarterback development is sort of his specialty. And I thought you saw some of that on display. Again, you have to temper the excitement because it was New Mexico. It's a team that has struggled mightily. But if you gave out grades for week one, like Texas, we were just talking about them. I'd say it was a B minus, C plus grade. For Texas A&M, I thought it was an A, like a solid A and maybe an A-plus for what they brought to the table offensively. I think Connor Wegman is an outstanding, you know, physically gifted quarterback. They had Evan Stewart returning and Nia Smith, their leading receiver. He's got weapons. So I really liked what I saw early. And now, again, it'll be a different scenario when you have to play against the Hurricanes. Clearly, they're much more talented than New Mexico. But I think this works, and I think they go on the road And this is one, actually, where I do like A&M to win as the favorite, which is always a little bit dicey college football. Playing on the road, you know, playing road favorites is a tricky game that doesn't win a lot. But Miami, again, they're a team that a lot of people saw against Miami of Ohio and are all of a sudden sold on, like it's fixed all the problems. But I still need to see that version work before I go there. So I actually like Texas A&M laying the points there on the road against the Hurricanes.
3: Sweet. Talking about the Texas A&M Aggies, though, and the one question that I have, because you talked about the egos involved in everything when it comes to Petrino and Jimbo and working together, what happens when those two egos do happen to stumble across some adversity in the season? Uh,
7: That's the million-dollar question, right? And one of the things that really impressed me was how there was a press conference. Bobby Petrino was talking with the media, and, you know, everyone has been asking, who's got the plays? Who's in control? Who's doing – I think it's firmly – I think it is Bobby Petrino's offense. I think Jimbo has input. He's an offensive mind. But I think one of the reasons that he wasn't hired on the day that he was offered – because there was – if you remember, there was a little bit of a delay, probably a two- or three-week delay – I think part of that negotiation that took place, yes, was probably money, but I think it was also control. And I think Bob Vitrino said, I'm only coming there if you let me do my, like let me have my space. And so I, I heard this press conference and Bob Vitrino talked about letting, you know, he said, I am the offensive coordinator. Jimbo Fisher is the head coach and I, my job is to keep the head coach happy. I thought that was him checking his ego at the door a little bit. But also, like, like, he didn't exactly surrender and say, well, it's his offense. No, he just said, I'm here to make the head coach happy. And I, I do think that will be a fascinating, like, let's say it's, you know, Miami wins and it's 14-3 to or 21-7, lower scoring game, and the offense doesn't look great and mm-hmm. Connor Wegman struggles. Yes, you could see some very, you know, tough questions and some, some awkward dynamics that unfold there. I just, I just feel like this. There's a very clear-cut delineation and whose fault it is if it does. And, and I don't, I don't think. Jim, I think Jimbo's a very savvy head coach. I don't think he's going to say, "Well, that wasn't my offense." You know, that's his. <laughs> I, I, I just think they'll, I think they'll handle that adversity when they face it. But again, you guys heard me. Like, I, I am not anticipating that adversity now. I could all, I could look like an absolute fool after this weekend. But I think they're five and zero when Alabama comes to town October seventh. I do, and I I think this thing will continue to get better. And they have Auburn and Arkansas. You know, Auburn at home, uh, Arkansas that neutral site they always do. But I really, I really think there's a chance. And we've granted we've seen that story before: a And M defeat, you know, undefeated, a ton of expectations, high national ranking, and then Alabama comes to town and kind of puts them in their place. I I wouldn't be surprised if a And M possibly even pulls off that upset as well. So in case you haven't noticed, I am bullish on the Aggies. And we'll see if I'm right or wrong here, possibly as early as this weekend. Danny, <laughs> uh,
2: there's a bottle of bourbon headed your direction. You, what you're saying, I am buying. He is Danny Only Cannell. Well,
7: if I'm right, though. <laughs> yeah. right well, now. if you're wrong, I don't, want, I don't want to know what's coming my way. If I'm wrong, it'll be the empty the bottle.
2: Of... <laughs> I will have drunk the <laughs> right. other bottle before you get there. But before we get to the story of the early season in <laughs> Colorado, oh, can I,
7: I'm sorry. Can I interrupt you, real yeah. quick? I'm sorry. I just want to follow up. The other thing, as much as we focus on the offense, the defensive line for the Aggies might be the best in the SEC. You know, they have – like, we forget Jimbo has been recruiting, and, yes, there were some issues with that number one overall recruiting class, but there is NFL-level talent on that defensive front seven. So, like, as much as we're going to focus on the offense, I think that defense is something to be reckoned with, too. Sorry right. to interrupt you. I, no, 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 I want great you, point. You know, I was hoping for maybe no. two bottles of no, no, You might very well get it with that as well. I,
2: I do want to talk about the, the ramifications of Dion and, and Colorado and all that went down over the weekend. But before we do, hey, you've got some insight to Florida State. Norvell's got a team. And Jordan Travis is, is the player at the right time. Put, put them in perspective the return of Florida State in the grand scheme of where the ACC finds itself in, in the football world, because I think what's going on in Florida State matters to the bigger conference more than anything else right now.
7: Yeah, I think so, too. And I also, you know, it wasn't great that Clemson lost to do right. on the national stage on Labor Day, but I also think this just speaks volumes to the cyclical nature of college football. You know, we've seen the rise and fall of many programs. It wouldn't just be Florida State. You know, Texas, you know, they've, they've been a great example. Up and down, roller coaster ride. The Miami Hurricanes, how about their roller coaster ride? Up and down, one of the best programs, you know, in the 80s and 90s and early 2000s. They're till, still trying to search to get it back. And Florida State, now facing, you know, our own you know, adversity. Since 2016, we haven't had much success. And last year, the 10-win season, and there was even a little bit of skepticism coming in this year. Well, was that fluky? You know, they did lose three games in a row in the middle of it. And, you know, I think that's a valid question. And I think that's something that Florida State was went in a huge way of, of showing that last year wasn't a fluke with that convincing win over LSU. But I, here's what's interesting about it. The ACC – what needs Florida State to be back and to be this national powerhouse? And Florida State obviously wants to be back, but Florida State's also been rattling the cages about wanting to leave the ACC. So, like, if Florida State, let's say they get, let's say they win the ACC and they get to the playoffs, I don't even see that, don't have to win the national championship. Let's say they get there. Florida State, who's been pounding the table to get, you know, some more money from the ACC or a, a renewed TV contract with the ACC, all of a sudden it gives them a little more the power and ability to flex their muscles and threaten, hey, if you guys don't take care of us, we're leaving. Like, that puts the ACC under a little bit of pressure. So in this wacky world that we live in, where we've seen this movement, it's, it's kind of like we used to just be able to talk about Florida State the football team and can they win a national championship. Now it's like, well, what does this mean in the big scope of things? Does this position them to make an exit to the SEC or Big Ten? And I think those are all very valid question marks that nobody – I was just in Tallahassee uh, yesterday. I was talking to the quarterback club there. That's the number one question Mm -hmm. around town is, yes, can we win this year? But it's also, where the heck are we playing in two or three years? And no one knows the answer to that question.
2: What's the sentiment? What do you guys want?
7: Um. There's a lot of – I would say it's probably 70% of Florida State fans want to go to the SEC. I'd say 30% fans – and I would put myself in the minority. Mm-hmm. I would love to stay in the ACC, but not at, not at the current setup. You know, it's just not favorable. It's unsustainable. It's in, like, let's be honest, college football is an arms race. It's who can spend the most to buy the best recruiting classes, to buy the best transfer portal to have best facilities. And if you're at a $40 million a year deficit, which is pretty much what the numbers are versus those schools in the SEC and big 10, it's not sustainable. You can't keep going to your boosters and saying, Hey, we got to keep up with those guys. When those guys are getting TV money that they're able to fund their programs and you're asking your boosters, it's just not sustainable over the long haul. I mean, think about it over 10 years, that's $400 million. That's a lot of money to be asking for your boosters to donate. And so it's just not sustainable. So my sentiment is whatever it takes for Florida State to remain competitive is what Florida State needs to do. So if it's the SEC or Big Ten, I think there's a very real possibility the Big Ten is playing, which is weird. I I don't think Florida State fits in the Big Ten. But, again, if it means we can compete with Alabama and Ohio State and Texas and Texas A&M, then we need to go there. You know, that's kind of the mentality that Michael Allford, the athletic director, has taken as well.
2: Interesting to follow. He is Danny Cannell and certainly the inside of Florida State is well valued. Brought to you by Bet Online right now. Go check out the lines that are available. We just got a couple of seconds and you talked about the, the portal and everything that has played into where Florida State is. We saw what Prime, Coach Prime did with Colorado. Uh, my question to you is how many of the coaches around uh, the uh, power five or the power four, however we want to count it, were rooting for Dion over the weekend?
7: Ooh. <laughs> ah, that's a great question. Uh, I'd say probably 10%, yeah. you know, a very small percentage. Uh, but it's not like he's the only one doing it. He's just been the most brash, the most brazen, the most cutthroat and vocal about it. And by the way, he's also had cameras following him along the way. Because every coach deep down, they probably would love to do what Dion did. Like when they take a new job, they have to turn over and they're like looking around the scholarship players. And they're like, I got to win with this guy. You know, like that's a very, and yet they're kind of stuck with them because they don't want to cut a player or send them running. And Dion was pretty open. He's like, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to make some changes. We're getting rid of you if you can't play here. And there's a lot of coaches that would love to take that approach, but they can't. And so I do think it was a smaller percentage, but he's not the only one to do it. I mean, Kenny Dillingham at Arizona state, had 46 new players in the transfer portal. You know, other programs have had a ton of turnover, but no one to the magnitude that Colorado did. But I I think, you know, I did not – I did. I was one of the people that was wrong, a lot of people, and, you know, I didn't think they could beat TCU. I didn't think they could contend with TCU. But he proved me wrong, and I I don't want to double down and say, well, they can't do it again, but I'm not – I'm not betting against them or for them. I want to get more intel, and I'm going to sit back and enjoy the ride. Because I know one thing, what, what Travis Hunter did playing over 130 snaps was awesome. And it was fun to watch, and it's something we haven't seen. I want to sit back and watch the, you know, watch the entertainment, grab some popcorn, and see how it unfolds. Because I do think it is good for college football. Whether you like him or hate him, he gets a lot of eyeballs and attention. Well said.
3: Dan Cannell, former Florida State quarterback, NFL quarterback, and host on SiriusXM Radio. Danny, speaking on Coach Prime, what does it say that he was able to take that many new faces? And he was so, and I think that's what people don't like about it, at least coaches, is that he was out in front about it, talking about he was bringing his Louie with him and to tell people to hit the portal. But what does it say that he had 71 new players? looked like they had all gotten on the same page, even more so than what TCU did in their first game together, because they looked entirely like the more disciplined team in that game. What does that say about him as an actual coach to be able to do that with so many new players?
7: So here, I'll give you... So I just said I was completely wrong on what I thought Colorado would be this season. The one area I think I was right is that beneath the sunglasses beneath the cowboy hat beneath the quotes, beneath the <laughs> bravado he is an outstanding coach he really is and I, I, and I also here's a little secret he's old school like I think he's hard on his players I think he's disciplined I think he holds them to a high standard and I don't think a lot of coaches do I think a lot of coaches coddle their players now because they're worried about them leaving in the portal but Deion is old school he also hired an exceptional staff you know, the coaches – Sean Lewis was a head coach at Kent State who left to be his offensive coordinator. Charles Kelly is a defensive coordinator who's so had a lot of success on the defensive side of the ball. He hired a great staff, and then most importantly, in college this resonates. There is so much power in belief and yourself and confidence, and Dion oozes confidence and his players bought into it, and they believed they could win that game when nobody else did. They believed they could turn around this program – and they also put in a lot of work. Like, that, that continuity takes time, and it takes a lot of hard work. And I think this program has been working, and I think it paid off there on the big stage. Now, I do – I'm very fascinated because I don't know which way to go. Everybody and their brother is backing Colorado this weekend, <laughs> uh, three and a half – it's a yeah. three-point favorite. I'm like – I don't. <laughs> I kind of feel like Nebraska's the smart play, but I don't have the balls to back them. So, again, like I said, I'm just going to sit back and enjoy. I'm not going to lose any money. I just want to, you know – sit. Cause boy, you watch the haters. Cause there are, there's no neutral on Dion. There's no neutral. Like, eh, they're either you love what he's doing or you hate it. And my goodness, the way he was, you know, showing all his haters up, they want to come out so bad and criticize him. Oh my goodness. And then if he wins, he's going to be just taking that victory lap again. So I cannot wait to see what happens.
2: Ride that wave bet online right now. Got Colorado at three and a half. That's a tough number. Hey, you said it. Great <laughs> staffs create a successful environment. So do great guests. Danny Cannell, thanks for stopping by, man. Check his podcast, Cup 3, all the CBS and serious work. It's always a pleasure, Danny. Thanks for stopping by today.
7: Appreciate you guys, man. Have a great weekend.
2: Danny Cannell, right here on San Antonio Sports Star. Hey, we got Mike McCarthy talking to the press. He's coming next. You're on R&R. This is 94.1 San Antonio Sports Star.
0: From Arosti. At Arosti, we fix pain fast. Oh, 0600. What's the O stand for? Oh my God, it's early. Wake me up, wake me up. Wake up,
1: wake up. me up. Don't wake me up, wake
0: up. Rob Thompson. You don't believe the other way in
1: transition to the cowboys. Oh. Oh. I want some
0: nasty. Rudy J.
1: Cowboys win. How else would you settle this game? How about this Cowboys?
0: Begin each day as if it were on purpose. I wake up in the morning, I piss excellent. R&R in the morning on 94 1 San Antonio Sports Star. Good morning. Hey, good morning to you.
2: Good morning, it's R&R in the morning, minus one, I'm Rob Thompson, Rudy J in the hole for the next couple of days, you'll be back here on Monday as we recap week one of n l l and week three of NCAA, I would like to introduce to you the head coach of the Dallas Cowboys for his weekly press conference, Mike McCarthy, take it away.
6: I enjoyed yesterday, it was short lived though, huh? Okay, well done.
0: Hi, David Moore, Dallas Morning News. Uh, you've talked to us through the years about how you expect to see 30 to 35 percent unscouted looks here in this, this first month of the season. Will, will what teams see from you even be a little bit higher based on some of the changes that you've made this all season?
6: Well, I think just like anything, the um, you know, number one change is personnel. You know, 37 of our our, our our players, our 75 players in in the building is is different from last year. So, I mean. Part of those things factor, um, you know, the utilization of new personnel. Obviously, the Giants have new personnel. So that, that's part of the equation because they're obviously going to, you know, do things that fit their players, you know, no different than us. So, um, yeah, so that's uh, the – I haven't called a game yet, so I can't give you a number. But, uh, no, we're, we're naturally going to be different than we were last year. That's, that's, that's the normal process of evolving as an offense or defensive system.
0: And you talk about that early in the year, just from a, from your standpoint from calling plays, does that mean you need to be more adaptable going into a game than you thought? If you get different looks, or oh, yeah. or is it a little different early in the season?
6: Yeah, definitely. I mean, that's why you work so hard in the off season. You know, we have you know, a term that we call training camp rules, um, but you know, this is you know just like particularly our offense versus their defense, they're they're high in scheme, so um, their, their offense brings a lot of scheme to the table too so I mean you go into it because you, you want your players to you know play fast and those types of things but you, you have to be proactive with your adjustments you know we, we have an adjustment plan for everything that we do so um you know the, the sideline Sundays is, is Sunday night is going to be important. Clarence
1: Hill right, so Fort Worth Star Telegram uh Dak Prescott has been poke, prod, scrutinized since the end of last season how much do you think he, he's ready to start
6: this season? Um, definitely ready to start the season, no doubt. Um, but I, I think, as a human being, uh, he, he is um, extremely focused on each and every day. I, I, I think his discipline and approach uh, to life, uh, let alone professional football, is is top notch. So um, I, I know this. He has definitely uh, taken advantage of you know the opportunity to learn you know, obviously evaluate and then the implementation of the things anew. Um, I'm really, really impressed with his offseason work preparing for this opportunity. So, yeah, definitely, I would say he is ready to go.
2: You're listening to Mike McCarthy's, Mike McCarthy's weekly for press kids. conference with the Dallas Cowboys uh, we'll coming we'll from San Antonio, sports star.
6: The
0: heat and how many yes. IVs did
6: you have to go through? I uh, uh, didn't get an IV report, um, So, uh, but, yeah, if it's, you know, yesterday was hot. I mean, yesterday felt like a. You know, training camp heat wave type practice. You know, that that was one of the hotter practices that, you know, that I've been a part of. So, uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, just going this morning will be 20 to 25 degrees. You know, cooler. Probably not the right term there. Oh no no no! I'm just saying historically, Wichita Falls. Yeah, there you go. So, um, wasn't there, but felt like Wichita Falls. But yeah, so yeah, definitely that's why we're doing it.
1: Does it change any of
0: what you, because of yesterday, you change what you do today? You take stuff out
6: or anything like that? No, I mean, the reality of the, the ability to switch the schedule is just really a reflection of being ahead. Yeah. If we weren't ahead, you know, I would have probably had to move the practice inside or look for other options. But yeah, this is clearly, you know, we were ahead. We were able to flip some things. Um, we flipped the, the work yesterday afternoon to prepare for the morning and then, So, uh, you know, we're still getting the amount of work that we that we got to get in. So, um, but it's just just we're able to flip it because we are ahead. John,
0: Uh, John, show the athletic. When we were out there, Tyler wasn't out there. Tyler Smith was he able to do anything yesterday? And
6: what's the yeah? My communication with Tyler said he you know he he said he feels really good. And you know the other part of this too. This is his first time through this. So, um, but he'll he'll work with Britt again today. Uh, But he's he's very optimistic, and you know we'll just see how they. I mean, it's it's a return to play process so um, there's obviously something there that they're working through
0: and then with uh brandon cooks and Dak mm-hmm. uh talking to brandon she talked about how important their time working on their own together has been and getting on the same page how have you seen them two grow together
6: well number one it's a must and and i and i, and I just go back to you know the earlier question about Dak. I i don't know if he could have done much more you know from internally and externally with the with the Time that he spent in Georgia and you know the throwing sessions and all that. So, and uh, and Brandon has just been a tremendous teammate. I've been so, so impressed with him, just the way he's coming, not only connected with Dak, but just just you know the locker room and ho- as a whole. So, uh, but yes, that's that's been cool to watch. Scott with the AP with the hot practice yesterday. I just wondered how much more the message was for these guys about. Hydrating for Sunday now, even though we're still whatever it is three days out I tell you what, they you know they go through a lot of water here on a normal day, uh, you know, but you know walk, walking past the water coolers you know, a- after the uh, afternoon meetings, they're empty, so you know that was a good sign uh, but yeah they they're cautious of it, and you know when also we got the long playing ride and all those things so we're we're forecasting those things, and that's part of the reason why we went inside or why we're doing what we're doing today
0: Michael. Michael Belkin, Dallas Warren News. Probably an obvious question but how much does going up against this defense make your offense better going to the season?
6: Well, I think it's an obvious question. I think particularly, you know, the training camp work, you know, we everybody practices a little different. Um, you know, I would not, you know, I would say our practice structure, you know, the ability of how our, our lines get after each other as prepared as for, for this opportunity, I would say on both sides of it. You know, we know, um, you know, this offense, the Giants, and the offenses that we see all year, you know, their starting points can be, you know, attack our run defense. You know, we understand that. We were top three in the league last year for run attempts against our defense, and, you know, and I think, you know, that that'll be the case again this year. So, I, I think the way we work and, the, and how we work, particularly the, the situation focus and the things we did extra this year compared to last year, I think has put us in a good position here to be ready to go.
2: Pat. This is Mike McCarthy on his daily Dallas Cowboys well, we press conference coming to, to you from the, the star on San Antonio Sports Star I mean, Jordan
6: Lewis, just just an incredible story, you know, for rehab. I mean, you know, you talk about a significant injury, and just, just look to where he was post surgery and to see him out there running around the last two weeks has, has just been awesome. So, um, if you ask J. Lou, he'd say he's ready to go. So, but. Uh, uh, I thought he looked good yesterday. I got a chance to watch him some live, uh, but he's, he's definitely getting close. Calvin,
5: Calvin Watkins, uh, Dallas Funny News. Did any point during the training camp or even in preseason when you saw Aubrey and said he's going to be okay? I don't have to worry about him so much.
6: Well, first time I stood behind him and you know, felt the, you know, the ball come off his foot, I, I definitely knew he was going to be okay. Uh, but you know, he I mean, the talent is is there. He reminds me of a young Mason Crosby. I mean, because when you know Mason came into the league, and heck, I hope he has the same start and career as Mason too. Because I think uh, if I remember correctly, Mason's first game in the NFL, he kicked a you know walk off field goal to win the game. So, and um, you know, he had a big kick in uh, in Pittsburgh in a preseason, really long field goal for for the highest field because you know the wind that comes off the Allegheny or the Mongahela if you're running there. It's, you know, right down on the river there. But uh, it's, uh, you know, I remember Mason making that kick. That's kind of how I felt about him against, you know, Brandon against, against the Raiders. You know, we tried to back out there and gave him two, two swings at it, you know, two long field goals. So, um, so no, I, I feel good about him because he has uh, an arsenal of kicks, which is important. And I think that, that in itself shows you, you know, the ability to control the football. So I've been very, very impressed with him.
1: Clarence. It's supposed to be 50% chance of rain on Sunday. I don't know if that factors into the decision where Tyler Spitz and his hamstring. And can you talk about the options behind Tyler Spitz if he can't go? Awesome and Ludova and those guys. Yeah, we're working
6: those guys. You know, we're working both guys. So, um, but yeah, as far as Tyler, and, and not to be a broken record, if he practices Saturday, we'll give him a chance to go. But he, you know, he has to cross the threshold of practice. Um, so we'll give him every opportunity to do that. And you know, it's just like, you know, these, these players want to play. I mean, he's no different. So, but it is the first time with this injury. So, I mean, you got to trust your medical staff and, and work that, you know, that process. But as far as the rain, you know, I, you know, to me, there's a threshold that they cross to play in the game. You know, and uh, the, weather, the weather doesn't really factor into that unless it's, you know, some type of extreme situation.
1: You know go miss a lot of time in, in camp and it's just
6: talking about where he is there. Looks good. I mean, I don't know how much you got to watch him yesterday. i super competitive, you know, I like the way he works. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's off to a good start. I thought he's jumped right in there and you, you'd never know that he just, you know, just arrived there. So been very impressed with Noah. Okay. Got Joseph
3: White bone Star left. Uh, Mike, you talked yesterday about play action, today, new personnel. I guess, how challenging does
6: Darren Waller be in that regard? Well, I mean, just, just obviously a focal point. I mean, you know, his catching radius, his athletic ability, yards after the catch, you know, very impressive. So, really trying to anticipate how they're going to use him is probably the biggest challenge because obviously, you know, what he can do physically. Um, so, um, as far as the matchup, but, you know, his utilization of where they're lining up and how they use him, you know, that, that, that's definitely a focal point for us. Todd.
0: Clarence asked you earlier really about the Dax scrutiny that he's always under and things. It, is that different here than another sponsor event or is it a product of just the increased media over
6: the years? Hey, when guys ask questions they already know the answer to? You know, yeah. So, um, yes, yeah, so I agree. I do know what you're going to say. Yeah, no. I think it's obvious. Yeah, I think the intensity of, of the coverage here is, is unique and, uh, you know, and that's, that's part of being a Dallas Cowboy, and uh, and I, I think he does an incredible job of of keeping that in perspective. You know, it is it is part of the job description, you know, regardless of how it feels and what it looks like, but I, I think he handles it extremely well. Patrick. Hey, Coach, uh, another injury update. Sam Williams and Donovan Wilson, are both of them on the same timeline? Yeah, Dono will miss today. Uh, he's taking care of a, a very happy, positive, you know, Personal thing he's dealing with right now, so I'll let, I'll let him tell you that. Uh, but um, yeah, but Sam will work in the rehab group again today. So,
1: babies have your
6: team this year. Hey, like I told him, if you guys figured out what's causing this, I, I mean, I, I tell you, I, I got a, a lot of babies, family wow. and football, man. That's what we're about. They, they're, they're, they're definitely coachable. So, <laughs> mm.
5: cow. Yeah. Um, for because. Back and they've been won championships and obviously been a long drought since those titles. you think that's also part of the scrutiny he gets because people look at what happened
6: before him? I mean, I can't speak for, you know, for people that, you know, are in the mode of critique. I mean, there's uh, obviously that's part of our industry and and, and understandably so. Um and it's part of what makes the wheel go round. So, uh, but I think history and tradition is extremely important. I think it's important for your current team to recognize that and because i think there's energy from that now um i think it's just like anything perspective is, is, is part of it I, I think it's the uniqueness of working in an organization that has an incredible history and tradition um there, there is a little more extra responsibility it should make you walk a little taller um but at the end of the day you know this is our opportunity the 2023 dallas Cowboy. this is our opportunity so much respect and appreciation because the teams, you know, the players, the coaches that walk before us have are you know, a big part of this, you know, and have given us this, you know, this landscape to, to chase our goal. So uh, so I do think it's important, and I think it's positive. I mean, there's, there's energy from that, in my opinion. Um, you know, I've been spoiled because I've, I've been a head coach at, you know, two franchises that have tremendous, you know, history and tradition. So, um, but I do understand that. I mean, yes, I, I mean, it's um, – you know, in, in the hardest part of, you know, the critique you know, component of this industry, it's really your family. You know, we, we, you know, we as coaches and players, you know, we get to come in here and bond every single day. Uh, it is a tremendous culture. I, mean, I love coming to work every day. Uh, I, enjoy, I enjoy these players. I enjoy the, you know, the, the support staff and the whole organization. So this is a very healthy environment to work in. So, uh, so we don't really feel that, you know, that, that I think that's felt more from our families.
5: All right.
6: Thank you, Mike.
2: Thank you. That was Mike McCarthy, his weekly press conference there, coming from the San Antonio, coming from the Star. We're going to reflect on what we heard. Lots of talk about Dak, the health of uh, Sam Williams, uh, the health of Tyler Biotish was a point of conversation, and uh, talking about Colin plays. We'll talk about all that and react. But first, it appears as we sit right now, he's not going to practice today, uh, and he'll have to go through that Saturday hurdle that uh, you'll hear McCarthy talk so often about uh, to get him get himself going. Um, the question of the day, though, was at the end of the press conference, James, mm-hmm. when it was brought up. Uh, reg- no, it's okay. The, regarding the scrutiny of Dak Prescott, yep, because that was part and parcel of our show today. Mm -hmm. And we, we came into it, and that's part and parcel of every Dallas Cowboys conversation is the Dak Prescott, is he worthy, is he great, is he good, what should you do? And I think McCarthy put it in perspective. Look, this is family. I hate hearing all this. And, yes, Dak gets more scrutiny. Trust me. I've been at Green Bay. I had Aaron Rodgers. I know what it looks like, and this is far more. But he also said he's a Dallas Cowboy. It comes with the territory.
3: Yeah, I don't remember Aaron Rodgers getting this kind of scrutiny. I mean, he's won one Super Bowl. And people talk about him like he's one of the greatest quarterbacks to have ever played. And rightfully so. I mean, four or five MVPs. Um, He's one of the best.
2: When I hear McCarthy apply that to the quarterback, I know that he's also talking about himself. Yes. That when you take a job with the Cowboys, you you a microscope that it's coming. and But at the same time, there are rights and privileges that come with it as well, that you walk with your back straight and your head held high because you're a, a freaking Dallas Cowboy as they come into a game with the New York Giants. So much to look at as the season gets going. No, Donovan Wilson today will be at, uh, he evidently is uh, another one of those young Dallas Cowboys <laughs> having yet another child. I think we're at four or five in the last month.
3: Well, he's also still dealing with, rehab. Yes. I mean he's been rehabbing all week and their their goal is to get him to practice by the end of the week so possibly he could play on Sunday. But uh Donovan Wilson, yeah, it, what he strained that calf like the first mm-hmm. week or day of training camp it felt actually. Felt like right
2: back then, yeah. We haven't seen him practice. I think we saw him practice it was day 3 uh or day 2.
3: He was he, he went off. down, carted off and we we feared the worst, but I I look at this Cowboys team and it is in the best possible position it can be in.
2: There's never the, the Cowboys have not had a better preseason than they had this year. We're coming into really They're healthy. as healthy as they've been coming out of preseason. We have no holdouts. We have No considerable issues other than just go win some football games because there's a lot of jobs depending on it and giant contracts. And if you're just joining us and you haven't heard the news, Nick Bosa signed a whopper of a defensive deal yesterday. He now is in the uh, the $30 million club. He's the highest paid non-quarterback and the highest paid defensive player in the history of the NFL, and the ramifications ripple all the way to the Dallas Cowboys and even beyond the defensive side of the ball. Mm -hmm. Certainly, Micah is uh, eager and happy to hear uh, from that. We're going to hear from Micah on the other side of the break. And the ramifications for Dak Prescott are in play as well. Yesterday afternoon, uh, the Blitz was joined uh, by failed NFL general manager Michael, Michael Lombardi. Lombardi. No, former NFL general manager. And he spoke to the kind of money that's being thrown around. And he used a term that I think is invaluable that you're going to want to listen for on the other side. And it's paying good players great money and how that affects your team and how the NFL is turning into the NBA. We're going to hear from Mike Lombardi. We're going to talk about the Dallas Cowboys, and it's a chance for you to go to com and get your pickems ready to go. Let's Ooh. make those picks and win some squalla coming up. This is R and R, and you're on ninety-four-one San Antonio Sports Star.
0: It's the Awesome Tickets Pro Football Pigum Challenge on ninety four one San Antonio Sports Star. You're shot at $50,000 nationally, while weekly winners locally get a $50 gift card to Five Oaks Ace Hardware on Thousand Oaks. At the end of the season, locally, the best overall record wins the San Antonio Grand Prize of $1,000 worth of tickets to any event from Awesome Tickets. Sign up today at sasportstar.com. Good morning everybody, Joe Reinigle here Coming up later on The Blitz We are live at the Roo Pub And why not? The NFL season is upon us Detroit, Kansas City They're going to kick things off And we're going to watch it at the Roo. We'll talk about it with former NFL defensive player Sean Merriman, he joins us at 2.30 John McClain at 5.30 And Rob, let Pledge win an argument every now and then Never, Joe
2: when he's right, he wins. It's R and R in the morning here on <laughs> San Antonio Sports Star. Thanks for joining us. You missed anything? You can go to Sportsstar dot com, and right next to where you need to be right now for our Pro Football Pick'em challenge, you will find our Audio Vault. We like it because that's where you can go back in time and catch up with all things SA Sports Star. Whether we if we set it live, you can catch it live right there back to tape on on our Audio Vault. It's time for our Pro Football Pick'em Contest. We do it every year. It is an exhibition and a competition. A $50 gift card on the line every week from Five Oaks Ace Hardware. That's the way you use it. And a grand prize winner is going to walk away with $1,000, as always, towards your ultimate sports or concert experience from A Awesome Tickets. To sign up, go right now at Uh We'll go over our picks to start the season in just a bit. We just heard from Mike McCarthy for his uh, weekly presser going into... Uh, The last uh, hard practice uh, today. Tomorrow morning, Mike will be live with us. You don't want to miss any of that. We'll catch him right at 645. You will hear it live. We will break the news as it uh, is required. Uh, He will begin his weekly with us. and uh, I need to... Round up some tacos, I do believe, uh, for head coach Mike McCarthy. He spoke a little bit at the end of the presser. Uh, Some of the uh, pertinent news, uh, Sam Williams will continue to rehab. Donovan Wilson and his uh, sore calf will not practice today, though he won't practice because of a personal excuse. It seems he's having a young uh, Wilson, a baby being born. Um, Any other injuries or or, uh, lack there we need to worry about there, James? I think that was it. Yeah. As we prep for it. Uh, I want to go back real quick before we make our picks to something Mike Lombardi said on the Blitz yesterday afternoon, and this is really going to ripple off of the Nick Bosa signing. as now the focus of the uh, the money, the bean counters in the NFL fandom are going to start looking at Joe Burrow. They're going to start looking at Dak Prescott. They're certainly watching Chris Jones, guys that are either holding out to get paid or imminent to sign whopping contracts. And when you've got a contract the likes of Nick Bosa's floating around, you know where you're headed. And when you're dealing with quarterbacks, you also know where you're headed. Uh, Dak Prescott is by every measure an upper echelon quarterback, at least in the upper third. I don't know of anybody who ranks them, who doesn't put him there. That doesn't mean he's great. That means he's very good. The problem is you're playing good players. Great money. When we're talking quarterbacks, this is what Lombardi has to say about it.
1: Well, I mean, we've seen this quarterback market go through the roof. I mean, Russell Wilson, he's not certainly worth it. He, you know, he didn't live up to his contract. Sean Watson hasn't lived up to his contract you know, unless Jerry's willing to take a stance and say, "Dak, either you take this or I'm getting a new quarterback," then Dak's got all the options. Dak holds all the cards. I don't know if Jerry's going to be willing to do that because if he was willing to do that, he wouldn't have had to give Jerry, he wouldn't have to give him this deal. But remember, here's where fear does the work of reason for the players. The the teams are fearful if they don't sign Dak, they lose him. The quarterback position is a lot like the NBA. You know you know, in the NBA when we watch these teams give ridiculous contracts to good players and we say, why would they pay that guy that? It's not going to make them any better, right? Well, that's the same thing in the NFL because you're scared if you lose this player, you're not going to be any good. You're going to be worse than you are, so you overpay them. That's what happened with Jerry and Dak. Dec. Dak's a good player. Dak's a really good player. But Dak's not worth the number that he got compared to relative terms. And unless you're prepared to take that on, unless you're prepared to challenge that, in terms of your willingness to go out and draft a guy, you're going to get stuck with him. You can't leave your team like that.
2: Mike Lombardi yesterday on the Blitz talking about just the, the damned if you do, damned if you don't situation that most general managers find themselves. There are so few that can do this that you pay them whatever the market requires you to pay them. It's just a matter of timing with these guys. Whether they are good or great is not the argument. It's whether you're a bird in the hand versus versus something that you don't have. Now, we saw some evidence to the contrary that the Ravens over the offseason when Lamar uh, Jackson was seeking guaranteed money, the likes of which we've never seen for a quarterback, and money the likes of which we hadn't seen since Deshaun Watson. Baltimore just told Lamar, hey, man, if you can find it, go get it. Go shop yourself, which is the ultimate cop-out. You're not setting the market. You're letting the rest of the, the league set the market. And the good news is it worked for Baltimore. It, it did. It, it, it turned out to be true. Look, dude, you're not going to get Deshaun Watson money. No one's going to get Deshaun Watson money for another couple of years because it was out of turn. Well, here we sit with Dak.
3: Yeah, but they they were just protecting against fully guaranteed contracts. They were protecting themselves from themselves. The contracts right now aren't fully guaranteed. And next man up is still next man up for the most part. And so I don't think he's going to reset the market the way a Joe Burrow will. But rising tides do lift all ships. And he's going to get over $50 million per year on his next deal. And the problem we can't
2: stress enough that Jerry has is he has to sign Dak. To a restructured deal, if he has any prayer of fitting in the Micah Parsons contract under the current salary. Mm -hmm. He's gonna Dak's numbers have to be rearranged. They he can't afford to pay him what he's due until later. He's got to skate some money down the road to get Micah in the building. So this is where we sit. A good player going to get great money.
3: But with a quarterback it is so much harder because there are so few that can do the job at the level that that Dak Prescott does it.
2: There's nine guys.
3: At, at best. Yeah, nine guys. And the, I said this earlier in a break, and I think it's the most apropos thing. There are probably about eight guys that feel comfortable with where they are in their relationship with their quarterback, and everybody else is in an open relationship with their quarterback. They've got eyes looking around. Dax, one or the other. He feels like he's in the they're not looking around, but half of Cowboy Nation is looking around. It's like the Minnesota Vikings with Kirk Cousins. I believe the Vikings and their fans are all looking around. The problem is, despite taking swings every year or every few years, which you should be doing regardless if you have a guy or not, they haven't found him. And it's really hard to find that guy in the NFL because legitimately there are less than 15 people that are really, really good at their job at that level. In the NFL, in total, you can't even field 32 starting quarterbacks and feel safe. That's how hard this job is and how hard it is to find somebody to do that job. The 49ers stumbled backwards into Brock Purdy. The Cowboys stumbled backwards into Dak Prescott in the first place. Mm -hmm. This was Tony Romo's team. This is a meritocracy. (laughs) You ready for tonight? I couldn't be more ready. I woke up this morning, just took a deep breath in, and went, God, it smells like football. And while football's been here because of college football, it's different because the NFL hits different. The NFL controls everything, and the fact that I'm going to have a full football weekend starting tonight with the NFL, going through high school, into college, and then coming out the other side with more NFL and finishing it on a Monday night, it it's like Christmas. It is here. There is There is an excitement that I can't fully explain.
2: Now we're excited the games are here but when you have a vested, excuse me a vested interest in the games they're even that much more excited. It's all right. Lions, Chiefs, you need to be at sa com. Get yourself signed up for our annual pro football pick 'em contest. A hey, awesome tickets got the winner of the, the season contest that's a $1000 toward your favorite sports entertainment experience and Ace 5 Oaks hardware $50 on the weekly Let's go to the roster. Starting tonight, we got the Chiefs and Detroit. I like Detroit outright, my friend. On the road in Kansas City, they're unveiling the championship banner. I know that Kansas City's won like 14 straight opening games. I know that they have Pat Mahomes and Superman. It's about what they don't have, and they don't have Kelsey. They don't have Jones, and they're going to be 0 and 1. Detroit takes it outright.
3: No. It is still Patrick Mahomes. It is at home. It is a banner night. It is Andy Reid with prep time. Andy Reid with prep time coming off bye weeks or going into week ones is like Batman with prep time. He's undefeated. You don't beat him.
2: He doesn't have his OC. Eric Panamy's gone. Just bringing it up. Panthers.
3: Apparently... He didn't matter anyway because he wasn't calling the play. So we've been told. <laughs> and
2: we will discuss his new team in a second. The Carolina Panthers and the brand new quarterback and pretty good offensive line head him over to Atlanta to take on the Fighting Bijons. Who do you like, the Panthers or the Falcons?
3: I, I like this Falcons team. I like the construction. I, my, one, my one question is, is it quarterback with Desmond Ritter? But, I mean, you've got Tyler Algier, you've got Bijan Robinson, you've got Cordell Patterson, you've got Drake London and Kyle Pitts. Like, they have of weapons. Like, I like them.
2: I'm with you. I like the Falcons as well. Your Houston Texans hit the road and head to Baltimore uh, to take on a brand-new offense, Todd Munkin's offense, with Lamar Jackson pulling the trigger. It's going to look like Georgia in the national championship. Yeah, yeah. it looks like. Baltimore should start <laughs> fast. Uh, moving along, Jacksonville And Sunshine traveling up to the Indianapolis Colts to take on the fighting Anthony Richardsons.
3: Yeah, I didn't see it. Why Anthony Richardson is fourth? I don't know why he's starting already. He looked like a guy that needed time in the first place. And this is Jacksonville's division to lose. I'm taking the Jaguars in a layup in week one. I'll
2: tell you what, I cannot wait to see.
3: What they do with Anthony Richardson? Well,
2: no, it's going to be a rough one for Anthony Richardson. It's, he's going to look like Justin Fields did last year. It's, mm. it's, it's going to be rough, but I can't wait to see this Jacksonville offense.
3: Oh, with Calvin Ridley, with
2: Ridley, oh, the way yeah. he looked early, and they've kind of put him away. And Lucky, then, he like Tank Bigsby too. Yeah, Bigsby can play. Uh, the former fighting Texas Aggie uh, wide receiver there, uh, also as well. The one they brought in from from the Cardinals for mm-hmm. this will be his third year, I think, with Jacksonville. That's an offense... I know it's easy to jump on this bandwagon for Jacksonville, but they're going to be a fun team to watch. Uh, the Tennessee Titans heading into uh, the New Orleans Saints home field there. yeah, Not much there with the Titans. <laughs> I like the Saints just because they're the Saints, and they might be better than a lot of people expect.
3: I like the Saints because they are going to be a lot better. you got Alvin Kamara when he comes off mm-hmm. suspension. Kendra Miller, the TCU running back... You've got uh, Jamal Williams, who was a stud last year for the Lions. You've got a healthy Mike Williams as of or Mike Thomas as of right now. Chris man. Alave, Derek Carr is the trigger man. He's the best quarterback they've had since Drew Brees. I really yeah. like that, and their defense has always been good. So
2: this is a team I think is going to surprise. I, I, think, I don't think they're going to win the
3: expect. NFC South. It no, won't
2: take that much to do. Tallest short person in the room. Well said. San Francisco with their newly signed wealthy defensive lineman heading to Pittsburgh for what looked like this is going to be one of the games of the weekend. I mean, too legitimate. This is the game of the weekend. Yes, it really has the feel of. This and of, Monday
3: night are the two biggest games. What do you
2: think of the Steelers? Because I like them. I heard Mina Kimes say yesterday, and this is kind of her hot take, that Pittsburgh will be in the top ten in both offense and defense. I can season. see that.
3: Like you're talking about last year, like the reigning defensive player of the year is Nick Bosa. Last year it was TJ Watt. TJ Watt is still playing at an extremely high level. Minka Fitzpatrick is one of the best safeties in football. And then you converse that with the other side of the ball where you've got Najee Harris and uh TJ Warren or Jalen Warren. And then on top of that, George Pickens looks like he's going to be an absolute stud. And Kenny Pickett, people weren't paying attention at the end of last year. He was playing really, really good. Small hands Pickett was playing really good at the end of last year they could be a surprise for this division, which is a loaded division, by yeah, the way. You
2: expect Pittsburgh's defense to always be there. Heck, it's Tomlin. But this offense, I think, is surprisingly agile. And it's a, it's a quicker offense than I think you're going to expect to see from Pittsburgh. They're going to get the ball downfield and move it around a lot. It's going to be a fun team. Uh, Tampa Bay just trying to rebuild as they head up to take on the Fighting Minnesota Vikings <laughs> and a potential offensive player of the year in Justin Jefferson. Who do you like?
3: Minnesota. No, I mean, Tampa Bay is going to be a dumpster fire. They're the only. They're going to be second to only the Cardinals in terms of badness of football this year.
2: They are both chasing a former and maybe current Heisman Trophy winner in Caleb Arizona on the road, uh, minus uh, Kyler uh, heading in to take on the Washington Commanders. Brand new offense, young quarterback. If there's if there this was a Survivor League. This might be the week to jump on uh, the Commanders. (laughs) I like the Commanders. Um, I think they're better than people think, and they're certainly better than the Cardinals.
3: They are absolutely better than the Cardinals. And watch out. Sam Howell did look good against the Cowboys in that final week. Uh, I know people like to say that the Cowboys weren't trying, but they did play their starters in that game. And by the way, he's got some weapons. You got Brian Robinson. You got Mm -hmm. Antonio Gibson. You got
2: Scary Terry. Yeah, they're... This is a, a team that I think will score some points and enemy will be uh rectified, though uh I don't think there's a lot of wins there. Cincinnati and Cleveland, the Battle of Ohio where the the Joe Burrow watch continues. I think they beat the Browns without Joe Burrow, but uh uh I do like Cincinnati in this one.
3: Yeah. Uh I think Joe Burrow's he already said he's healthy, he's coming back, mm-hmm. and as long as he's healthy, they are one of the favorites to win the NFC North because just the amount of weaponry that Joe Burroughs had to play with between LSU and Cincinnati is just borderline criminal.
2: We're beginning a new era <laughs> in Green Bay. Jordan Love has taken over the offense. They travel to Chicago with the newly refurbished offense. Who do you like?
3: I, You know what? While I am terrified of what the Packers look like, the Packers are a big unknown just with Jordan Love, right? I expect the Bears to be better this year offensively. Going and getting a DJ Moore, going and getting uh, Roshan Johnson. I, I kind of like the Bears, and I kind of like them in week one over Green Bay, even though Green Bay has owned them, but that Aaron Rodgers no longer walking through that door. He
2: is not, but Green Bay has got a lot of weapons. They While Aaron Rodgers was upset, there's enough there, I think, for Jordan Love, and I just don't think Chicago's there. I like Green Bay on the road, but I do agree with you that the Bears' offense and fields is going to look better, and he's got him a nice wide receiver to play with as well. That I, I do expect some combo ha- action happening there. Uh, Las Vegas, <laughs> heading into Denver. Uh, this is an interesting game in so many ways. AFC West battle for sure. The conversation that we're hearing from uh, uh, the Sean Payton talking about his quarterback and telling him to stop kissing babies and be a politician, <laughs> I think, is classic. Las Vegas. I, you know, looking at the previous numbers and the fandom there in Vegas, boy, they're they're crazy for their Raiders. They led mm-hmm. the league in uh, money made on their stadium, which is no surprise. I like the Raiders I on the road. See a game there. I I like the Raiders on the road against Denver. I, I still haven't seen anything that showed me that Sean Payton can turn around that disaster that was last season in just one game.
3: Well, I mean, if we're talking about disasters, Josh McDaniels didn't have very Troop. a very good season last year in his first with the Raiders, and he had a pretty good quarterback in Derek Carr. That was a playoff team the year before. Josh Jacobs led the league in rushing, and Devontae Adams, and they still couldn't do it. I don't know if Jimmy Garoppolo fixes that. I trust Sean Payton to fix Russell Wilson a little bit more than I trust. Josh McDaniels is a head coach.
2: Miami going to the Chargers, The battle of offenses. Miami Dolphins or Los Angeles Chargers, quick. Fighting Kellen Morse. Eagles on the road Sunday, taking on the uh, New England Patriots Eagles. there. Eagles and the Rams, Seahawks Sunday. Seahawks. Like the Seahawks as well. Cowboys, Giants. Cowboys. The Cowboys going away. 12 straight. And does Aaron win his first game as a Jet?
3: Yes.
1: Hey, go to your pro football pick 'em at SA star dot com. If you don't you can't win. We'll see you tomorrow.